Coming November 21st, 2018, Next Generation's First Generation returns to look back 30 years ago to the day with the second season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Patrick and Sasha share their perspectives as children in the 80s in contrast to our older cynical selves. Tropes, social commentary, and shade throwing is all fair game. Join Next Generation's first generation for this watch-along podcast and figure out what the heck is going on as we continue on this seven-year mission. Episodes will be released on the 30th anniversary of the original airing. Find it on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Libsyn, and also explore Season 1 and our Shore Leave movie commentaries while you're at it. Again, that's Next Generation's First Generation at iTunes, Libsyn, Spotify, and Google Play. Next Generation's First Generation. I brought, um... Mm, I had $11 in my account, or $6 in my account, so I panicked and I made myself um, berry hibiscus kombucha with three and a half shots of tequila (laughs) and two droppers of... That's what that is right there? Yes. And two droppers of um, Charlotte's Web, so to make me smart. I thought it was going to be some CBD at the end. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm all about it's the that. new so, bitters. Yeah. Dude, so you should just good. make like that. It's the forever. Mint, it's the mint chocolate favor, so there's a, a lot of things happening in my mouth. Yeah, that sounds podcast where we discuss alluring villains and why we find them so sexy we cover foes and scoundrels of all genders from our favorite films and tv worlds whether it's action romance comedy sci-fi or good old horror we're getting hot for all the wrong reasons i'm your host eric blake Marcella dykvist <laughs> natasha baptiste uh did you ad lib some of that no i just added worlds yeah i forgot that, that oh, that's the part that really i was like what it's wonderful <laughs> Um, today we have a guest with us. This is Heather Marie Bartels. I'm already wet. I yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> this is so appropriate. Uh, hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. Thank you for Thanks being for here. Thanks for coming. You're a very busy person. Um, really quick without doing any, um, plugs. Oh, never. Save it for later. But what do you do for our community here in Seattle? Uh, without plugging anything, I am a film theorist, event host. I host like screenings, 
and I'm on panels and I talk about shit and pretend that I know what I'm talking about <laughs> most of the time. You did a good job. <laughs> Thank you. It was believable. Yeah. I, I have a piece of paper that says I do, if that helps. Really? Like a We're going to need to see that. I have a degree in, in cinema studies and... I'm about to start my master's program at the UW. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, I loved having you at Shriek, which I miss dearly. That's something that just ended recently. Mm, thank you. And that was like a film showcase, a monthly thing that you did on stage. Well, without plugging anything, there's going to be a new, a new similar event that you can Excellent. go to. That's kind of the same thing. We're saving the plugs for the end of the episode. <laughs> That's how we send you off. It's like butt we sail plugs. you off. Yeah, mm. the end. I get it. I see yeah. what you're doing here. Oh, speaking of butt plugs, um, <laughs> we're about to, we're about to play the edge game. But again, now that we have a guest, um, we have our guests play a game to kind of take your temperature on um, mm. what villains you might be into. So we developed a game for our guests called the Elevator Game. So pretend you're trapped in an elevator. So it's a good size elevator, like a hospital size elevator, mm-hmm. pretty big. Um, with three villains, who are they? And this can be based on how hot they are, if you if you want to hang out with them, if they think you'll get you out of there. I just want to make sure that everyone listening knows they did not give me this question in advance. Nope. So no. <laughs> I'm having to come up with this on the fly. Take your time. Yeah. I'll cut it out. No. <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> My wow. initial, like, my gut reaction, if we're going just, just like, base, super hot bad guy, I'm going to go, like, back to childhood. I'm going to go <laughs> straight up one uh, David Bowie and Labyrinth. Mm. Um, Popular choice. That's my life. I mean, I've got, like, I've got, like, the Bowie tattoo, mm-hmm. like... Jareth inside of an elevator would be so weird. <laughs> oh, I would just touch every single part. <laughs> Um, Don't touch me. (laughs) Two would be uh, Buffalo Bill. Oh, Um, interesting. Yeah. um, This is a lot of clothes. Oh, like very naked. Just completely naked and and, like tucked. Wouldn't you wear like a robe or something? But it would be open. Right. I feel like those two would be great and opposite because one would literally create a labyrinth and the other one would be like, you're in the hole. Yeah. Oh. So great. I would go in that He would just be one creature in the labyrinth. Oh my god. Do you got any more lotion? I'll put it on my skin. It's great. <laughs> and just give it to me. And the third can I can I can I phone a friend real quick? Yeah. Uh, so my partner's sitting here um, with us right now. We have Vinny with us. Silent in the studio. Silent watchdog. <laughs> Vinny, who is someone who's like typically a villain that you hear me like go really weird and sexual about all I the do want to point out, because you've been reading a lot, too, mm-hmm. I forgot a stipulation is you can also open this up to, like, villains from books, theater, board games. Comic books. Yeah. yeah. Stuff we don't generally cover Sorry on to the make podcast, it more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would have said Jesse Custer years ago from Preacher. Um, you should call this game Elevator Curveball. <laughs> <laughs> Just really throw it at me but I'm gonna keep it I'm gonna keep it to film I'm gonna keep it okay. to horror because that's what I do so who's someone that you have to hear me like leer about a lot well you covered the big choices yeah the two I mean Frankenfurter is kind of a free space right oh yeah like, that's the middle thing that on, the, yeah. on the bingo board are there any that make you feel mm. threatened <laughs> <laughs> 
What are her deep favorites, her deep cuts that she didn't review? It's always, like, someone, like, usually kind of, like, genderqueer or, like, super fabulous, um, but, like, evil and sexy and really hung. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I was Jared. kind of thinking of... Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's true. I was kind of thinking of uh, Ewan McGregor in that movie we just watched. Oh, yeah, Velvet Goldmine. Gold yeah. Mm. Oh, he's kind of a villain. Where he's playing Iggy Pop. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's such a great film. Uh-huh. He was you know, so mean in that movie. It's kind of a destructive was, influence. Oh. He was, we haven't he was done like him yet. That Iggy would be fun. plus Lou Reed. Like mm-hmm. every time he hears an electric guitar, he just like goes bonkers and just like takes off his clothes and starts screaming. This um, is like the fanciest elevator game yeah. results we've ever gotten. <laughs> really? Yeah. This is this is high class right here. So you must be in an elevator with them headed up to like. Like um, one of those really like awesome like party. labyrinth ball parties or yeah. something. Uh, I I really <laughs> hope that this party is incredible and that we never get there. We just yeah. stay in the yeah, elevator. Yeah, because you're stuck. So you're just like, fuck, we're gonna miss the party. However, the party we're about <laughs> to have is so much better. It would and be. Also, oh my gosh, it would be what the Met was supposed to be this year. Yeah, like, so camp and so fucking awesome. We've talked about this a lot this week. There's only a few people that I feel like were super good at it, and I was like, oh my god, like, camp, you guys, you are actors. Well, <laughs> I, this should be easy. They had, like, a, a night before, like, pre-party, and so that's when they got to dress really crazy. Oh, so it's okay. like I guess everyone felt like dressed crazy on this pre-party night, and then the next when day no have one's the gonna see you, be a little bit more elegant. Yeah, I know. I don't yeah, know. That makes well, sense because they're all too afraid. They're all too chicken yeah, to actually yeah. go there, except Rue, of course. Yeah, like Rue showed up with that amazing like pink sequins no, prince suit I with saw, like the horse. It was so. Good. I saw oh. someone be like, Rue only wore this. What a letdown. That's because they don't understand one camp. Two, that Rue never shows up to events in drag unless they're being paid. Right. Yeah. So I was like, how dare you think that Rue owes you anything? You should oh, yeah. be down on your I feel knees. like all the like big drag queens that were there, they weren't in like drag at all. No. They're like in no. suits and, and shit. Like they Ru- weren't. RuPaul's been doing this forever. Forever. So he's at an age where he can, he can do whatever he wants because mm-hmm. he's. Done enough. Yep. Thank you. When I realized that forever meant since the seventies, I was completely blown away. That was it was years ago on like uh, he's been at it for so long. I was seriously like I had no idea how long he'd been doing it because I'd only seen him on TV since like I was in college, but I didn't realize how long he'd been at this. It's amazing. In the late eighties he was only like what, seventeen or something? Eighties? Oh sorry, this is seventies? Yeah. Eighties, sorry. I was, I was like, what, what happened in the 70s? It's been a while since I heard that interview, but yeah, it's still okay. just like, yeah. For how much of his life he's been doing it is more what I was thinking about, yeah. So, we are here today to talk about Candyman. Yay. And the reason why he didn't pop up last time when we said his name three times was because you're supposed to say his name five, five times. times. Mm-hmm. We but all forgot. Said it three times we when only he died. said it three times. Um, so, we're going <laughs> to go into the Edge game. Um where we're going to talk about the movies first without going into too much detail about the man of the hour. Uh, so mm, the edge. Mm. I think we're going to spend most of the time on the first film since the sequels are horrendous. Oh my gosh, they go so far off the mark. You're just like, where, <laughs> yeah. where did we go? 
I, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I didn't LA. watch the third one. I didn't. I'm really? so sorry. Have you never seen it? No, and I, um, it's so brutal. I don't, I don't yeah. like bad. bad movies, and uh, I did, I've seen the second one, and I did rewatch it to do research for this, um, but I was so... It gets worse. I was so <laughs> upset that, like, I could see what they were trying to do, Oh yeah. but they were messing up so many of the like important things from the first one and so many of the things that yeah. make it an important film that I didn't want to like to taint my brain more. The third Candyman Thank you. Third Candyman makes the second Candyman look like Citizen Kane. Mm. <laughs> it made the second Candyman look so good. So I was like, better. you know what? <laughs> that was, was a good film. <laughs> I feel like watching them by themselves, if I hadn't seen the first one, if I just watched the second one, I'd be like, Candyman's legit. Like, Vinny said solid. that same thing. Oh my God. But like, watching the first, the first one, one I was like, okay, all the shit take place in long time ago Chicago, <laughs> but then he died in Louisiana? How, like, and then the ashes were spread in Chicago? Uh, they just... What? They changed it a lot. And then yeah. L.A. Why and not? then L.A. For <laughs> sure. LA. Oh, yeah. It's the and third movie's that, L.A., so yeah. And I was yeah. super confused about that until they're like, oh, it's this bitch's daughter. Like, wait, but you just said a few years. Like, we saw her when she was five. Like, she's a grown woman now. And like, it's right. important that it's always a white chick. Oh, my God. Oh, but you're like, you're all like, of his descendants blonde, are white chicks. Let's white. talk about them. <laughs> she, but she's Welcome got that age. blood in her somewhere. Yeah. You just oh, yeah. can't see it anymore. Yeah. Oh, oh especially with the first one he's black as hell but his daughter looked just white yes. just like a brunette white chick um so let's return to the classic let's talk about the thing that i want to talk about yeah the first one so you oh, yeah, said one. you did a research paper on this was it like a serious serious paper i was at the u-dub yeah okay so i all when i first saw Candyman. I was like, oh, this is better than um, the Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. However, upon rewatching both films more recently, I can see how Silence of the Lambs is better just because in Candyman there's a couple of missteps. But I feel like they can be compared to very easily because it's very, um, I don't know, just there's like. bugs. Well, no, it's just, I don't know. I guess it's like a procedural like more down to earth. And I, I really, really appreciate, like, inner-city movies because I grew up in small towns, and every time there's something happening, like, in a congested area, I'm like, yes, please. But, um... They're both social commentaries. Yes. And, like, about things that had really not previously been talked about in film so kind of blatantly. Yeah. And in a way that is meant to kind of challenge the kind of, like, normal white guy patriarchy like, showing you things that you don't want to um, admit or kind of be challenged with. And I think that's where they line up really well. Yeah, they just remind me of each other. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Uh, so, I went to an event here in Seattle. Someone did a, a presentation for Candyman. So I took a lot of notes on that. I It was uh, presented by Isabella Price. And she has a podcast and does events and stuff here in Seattle. She had a lot of crazy things to talk about. Um, And it's research that I think she might have worked really hard on. And it's stuff that I wouldn't have come up with. So I'm going to... 
I think most, I'll just go ahead and say most of what I have to say about the movie might have been out of her mouth. <laughs> mm. So, but your research paper, tell us about that. Well, I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but don't, don't let me stop you. Uh, I, I want to say this really quick, yeah. though, because I know that what you're going to be saying is kind of your version and kind of how you synthesized what um, your experience was at that screening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most of what I took down wasn't opinionated. It was, like, just, like, crazy facts about the film that mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would have picked up on. Great. If I hadn't have gone to see what she had to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This, this is a movie that I've definitely spent a lot of time, like, looking at and, and working through and thinking about and reading about, and I have some pretty, like, strong thoughts about it. Okay, let me ask you this. I'm assuming, then, that you knew that Caprini Green, mm-hmm. you guys, check this out, was a real building. Yeah, it's a real place. And when they filmed that movie, all of the tenants that you see... We're not actors, and the gangs wow. in the film were the real gangs that, like, hung out there. I didn't know that. That's fucking That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. And they also actually, really cool. Yeah, they, they had a great experience. Like, <laughs> Yes, they did. A big, a big part of the mythology that's presented... <laughs> we just did that underneath the table. <laughs> it actually was Super Simon, too. <laughs> Something that is really important in the film is discussing mythology and showing that over and over in every kind of scene. And one of the myths that's presented in the film is the myth that there are certain places in the city that you can't even go to because it's dangerous just to go there. Mm -hmm. And so they present Cabrini Green as one of those places and then show you that that's not true. That Helen goes there (laughs) And she meets the people there, and she makes friends, and she's actually told by Anne-Marie, like, we're not, you know, everyone here isn't a bad person. You know, I'm just here because this is the only place I can afford to live, and I got my son, and that's, they're really addressing that myth in the film. I think that whoever, I don't know if it was the the scriptwriter, the writers, the director or whomever the the director of the film also wrote the screenplay okay obviously back in the 90s compared to today there's always going to be missteps but i think that a lot of what he was trying to do was good Mm -hmm. like he was trying to like help a situation by making this movie and it was a story originally by Clive Barker. Mm-hmm. But it didn't take place in the U.S. Right. Clive Barker's version. It was more about the class system in the U.K. And then Bernard Rose changed it to be about the U.S. Because he thought that there was... Because obviously it, being black in the U.K. is very different than being mm-hmm. black in the U.S. There's a totally different history. Yes. So they wanted to, they wanted to add um, that kind of race element to the film. I think that that was a good idea and they put obviously compared to the sequel they put so much into this movie mm-hmm. did you guys know that helen the actress virginia manson she was actually put under hypnosis hypnosis in the film no so oh, she, wow. she went through like hypnosis classes or something like to be get used getting used to like being hypnotized and stuff so in the scenes where he's putting like that hypnosis on her and they're filming it, you're watching her actually be put under hypnosis for hmm. real. Ooh. 
That's funny because that it does look cool. way better than in the sequels. Yeah. I like even made a note. I was yeah. like, this hypnosis acting isn't as good. And I didn't think yeah. I'd really notice something like that. But yeah, oh, no, that makes one, total sense. Like wow. leaps and bounds. Like yeah. you watch the third film, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard. It's direct-to-video, it and it shows. It was so hard. It yeah. was it was hard. It was like a porno. We'll get to it. Um, well, speaking of missteps, <laughs> I want to say they actually they took the script to the NAACP, and they had meetings with the NAACP at the time because they were like, we want to make sure that we're not being shitty here. That's cool. And the NAACP was like, why are we even having this meeting? It's ridiculous that, that we even have to have this. Like, of course we can have a like a black boogeyman if there's Hannibal Lecter why can't why can't there be a black ghost and the movie was hugely popular with black audiences at the time yeah so they they went way out of their way to make sure that like they weren't being assholes if that's if that's true it's completely true (laughs) it's weird that um it's a movie this got brought up a lot at Crypticon this last weekend Mm -hmm. that Candyman is about Ooh, well, I can't. I'm edging a little bit. Um, Keep it on the edge. The, 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 a lot of the people that are killed in this movie, in this first movie that's done so well, it's a lot of black, poor community. So why is this movie doing all these really awesome things? But, but you don't know that Candyman is the one who killed all of them. Because there was, as you know in the movie, Copycat there... Man. There were yeah. people. Copycat man? Yeah. There were people who were the gang. claiming yeah. to be Candyman who weren't. Yeah. The, and I had that question man. too. I was like, how far along did this keep going? And how much did this guy or other people do? I yeah. don't think he showed up until she started casting doubt. Because yeah. he said That's that. That's what the whole. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Once he started casting doubt, then he kind of. Or she's cast it out then because that's just, one thing about the first movie i feel that, like that's yeah. kind of his power like yeah. oh it's ridiculous blah, blah blah and then you go home and you're like see i'll stay in the mirror and show you it's ridiculous and he's like yeah bitch i'm yeah. real so we we <laughs> actually see him kill almost almost exclusively white people in the movie except for the friend yeah mm-hmm. and the doesn't the no the lady survived the mommy survives the mm-hmm. mommy of the baby mm-hmm. <laughs> and the baby yeah yeah Point taken. One of the other criticisms that you'll hear people say sometimes is that um, the people of the community are um, more likely to believe in this, like, this kind of boogeyman mythology. And um, my, my counter to that is that they were all telling people, no, Candyman's real. And everyone's like, oh, you're crazy. But there was, there was someone going around saying, I'm the Candyman. And he was killing people. Right. With a hook. And and they were saying the Candyman is real and he's killing people and nobody believed them. Yeah, because they're in the city. Exactly. Where so the it's cops not don't that go anyway. So it's not that they were believing in a myth. It's that there was something real and nobody happening. believed them. Yeah, because, because they're in the inner city. They're exactly. poor. Exactly. And that's another thing to be taken in uh, interpretation is um, in the movie, like the way the movie goes is. Not until something happens to Helen, which is a white, like, yeah. outsider woman, that the police, like, rush in. Mm-hmm. Which is a point. That's a point of the movie. Okay. Oh, yeah. She even That was my question yeah. was, is this a point of the movie to show, look what happens to these people until a white person is in the area mm-hmm. and then the police rush in? Yeah. And yeah. She, yeah, or, she even says that in the movie, how yeah. awful it is that, because she said, you know, how come it took me and what 
the that all the other things are overlooked. Yeah, yeah. I feel because like some people, people can interpret like... that as, oh, this movie is like a white racist because they're showing the police only coming for like when a white person is in no, trouble. It's just, but I think I that like it was a real narrative. Yeah, exactly. I and... had that impression too. But so the same can be said of this movie called The Woman, which has commentary on. Um, Are we talking about the one about the lady in the basement? Yes. I hate that movie. Oh my god! Okay, I so this is a good example. hate that movie. So, in The Woman, a lot of people will say, oh, that's a sexist movie, because it shows it sexist is. things. But my interpretation, what when I was watching it before I knew anything about it, was I was like, oh, this movie is showing how sexist people can be. People need to see this mm-hmm. to, like, fight against... It's like an anti-sexism film. But a lot of people saw that movie as like, that's just sexist. Hmm. So like for, you. Me, for me, <laughs> the difference was actually the cinematography. And the, oh. male, the male gaze in the cinematography I agree. is what changed it for me. I agree. And again, that movie was made just a couple years before I think they should have known better than to film it that way. So oh. I agree with you on that. Sorry, Lucky McKee. You done did me dirty. I I oh, agree on it. that for sure. <laughs> yeah, girl, get comfortable. Like, Are you sitting on this? It's not even a yeah, real I was, cushion. but I like. I, kept I was like, you know what? It, this is not comfortable anymore. No. Speaking of butt plugs, that is a hard part. Natasha's joining us now from the arm of the couch. <laughs> oh my god! Welcome to the couch. Um, okay, so okay, attaching from. Uh, the oh my god the lady that plays Helen how she was Virginia hypnotized. Madsen mm-hmm. she was hypnotized for real in real life um also she was deathly allergic to bees yeah <laughs> holy shit she had all those bees I know <laughs> like she's such things. a badass <laughs> so they bred all of these bees and thankfully um Tony Todd is not allergic to bees well, however falling out of his mouth. However, <laughs> and they filmed that, like, a lot, like, all the bees being in his mouth. So, Tony Co- Todd got stung, like, around so 30 times. times. I had to be so But nice. he's not allergic, so that's cool. It sucks he was stung, and yeah. Virginia Madsen was not stung. But wow. she did do that whole thing with the bees on her face. And they had, like, paramedics, like, on the scene, just, like, in they case anything to. happened. Yeah. I saw a thing where he was talking about it, and he literally laughed about it. He was like... God, I think we were in makeup for like five hours each time, and then they put all the bees on me, and then I just. <laughs> he was just like, the way he was t- talking about it, he was just like, whatever. Like, I just had bees in my mouth, and then the, whatever. I mean, they are professional bees with a bee handler. I don't want to get stung on my face. Oh, or in my mouth. That's insane. Things you eat go in there. Yeah. It does look better than when they do it in the second and third movie, though. Oh my God. Now, without talking about Candyman himself, can we talk about the. Just the origin story of him, because it doesn't yeah, really no. have to do with his appearance, but no, it keeps playing it because every character mm-hmm. learns it, whether it's at the very beginning of the movie or later in the movie. What do you yeah. want to say? Because we can try and keep it about the characters. Well, let's keep going. edging is so hard. <laughs> uh, I know. So we're still in the first it just movie. Feels so good to just go for it. And the, she she only learns a little bit about him at the beginning until. The professor kind of tells that whole story. Oh my story. god, the professor. Oh, Purcell. Oh I, my god. I love to hate him. Isn't he he's, the real villain? He's so perfect. I yeah. was watching he's this hot. movie like, I was like. <laughs> he's like a hot. At the end of the first movie, I was like, why man. didn't they kill that guy? 
And then I watched the second movie and I was like, ah, there it is. <laughs> He's really important, I think, in order to show the similarities between Helen and he who shall not be named right now. Because she she is kind of the she represents a similar character in that she she's living in this world that it doesn't matter what she does, she can never actually like ascend or be a part of the community. And she ends up paying for that. Right. Right. She's like she's trying to be in academia. She's trying to be a part of this like boys club and like just moment after moment they're constantly shutting her out. And he gets the best of her during that dinner. And then her awful husband, Xander Berkeley, who's incredible. Trevor. Trevor. (laughs) He was so when he walked in and she's bleeding on the floor, he's just standing there looking at her like again. Yeah. I was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Not only that, but you had to step over her dead friend mm-hmm. who was just gutted. Yep. And then Trevor. you walked in the kitchen while she's like, help me. And he's like, ugh. Like, what is wrong with you? So he doesn't, like, he doesn't uh, move the lecture until she's done, like he said he was going to. I mean, he's a total shithead. Mm-hmm. And he, he just does that yeah. just just because he doesn't want her to succeed. Him dying was like so mm. satisfying. I hated Trevor. Super good ending. I hated. We'll mm-hmm. I hated the girl he was cheating Stacey. with. More wearing the, the white mesh shirt with no bra, Ugh. just so you hate her. <laughs> so she's like screaming with the knife, and it's just like jiggling. It's not her fault, right? I mean, she's a young girl who's being taken advantage of by this old douche. But they do a good job of making us hate her yeah. because we love Helen. Stacy gets he, her fair share. If of Trevor, trauma. if Trevor was the one that she hit on her. her she has to like him back, and it doesn't matter if well, he's, course. like, the ugly do- the ugly uh, teacher that you're into. Like, she's into him, and she's, like, a bitch. She's, she's so mean and stupid. She's so young and naive, though. Like, he's totally the one who, like, you know, he, he, They're was, both like a, villains, he was a predator. Sure. He was an old predator to that poor girl. They both suck, yeah. and I don't feel sorry for her. Okay. <laughs> I don't like fair, mean people. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> Trevor's death is definitely the best. Oh my god. That's where, like, Because yeah. it was so annoying. He's, like, crying over Helen dying, and you're like, of ugh, she did it you I left her. I want my dinner. And he's, yeah, he's having those memories of all the times that she, she was, like, so dinner. sweet. She's like, look, my black eye, it's not even that bad anymore. Oh, <laughs> oh god. You moved in your mistress, she was unconscious for a month. She She's was redecorated. Wife. Yeah. Like, you're married to this woman, and because she was gone for a month? Yeah, that's... just waiting. What? They didn't get a divorce or anything. No, she you're not know. separated. You're not even legally separated. Like, she literally was mm-hmm. incapacitated. He must have just thought that she would be in there forever because to him, she did kill those people. I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But why did he done. believe done. that so easily? Like, okay, whatever. He was a douche. Really glad that she came back from the dead and was just like, bam, bitch. Yeah. It's so good. that's the thing. Both, both her and the the lead, you know, they're they're both like, you know, they're these <laughs> they're these antiheroes, right? They're these tragic figures who these terrible things have happened to. So you, they're not just villains. You, you know, you're rooting for them. You you want them to get this revenge because. It's not fair what happened to them. Yeah. She gets framed I for wish... several murders. Oh, it's I mean, awful. through the course of the film, I mean, it's just like, oh my kind gosh. Of the, His the main thing. power mm-hmm. until she summons him is 
framing her for murder. It's yeah, mm-hmm. pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well yeah, because he's also manipulating her situation. Oh. Come with me because what's your better? What's the other option? Yeah, you're gonna go to prison for the rest of your life, and I can so get you he there can too. Get his jollies. That's yeah. his fault. Mm-hmm. But um, is there like a favorite part of the movie or a scariest part? Ooh, the fire. Really? That shit was, like, fucking nuts. How many times have you seen this movie? Just once, but I was like, what the fuck? I think I saw it a really long time ago. Yeah. And I saw it again, and I was like... And I liked every kind of big, dramatic part of it. There was, like, um, in the uh, parking garage, where she's like, who's there? Yes? Uh, Like, just so oblivious to life. (laughs) Like, so oblivious to, like, what was going on. The only thing I hated was when she was... Hearing, like, some backstory from one of her students' friends of a friend. Some bullshit. Oh, it's like the awful haircut? Yeah, like, where she was just like, so she was babysitting one night. And, yeah. like, <laughs> and I was like, and she was in the Wait, bathroom. Is part? What? No, no, no. It's part of Ted I Ramey. hated it. Because it made no, it wasn't, it didn't hold up to the rest of the movie. Like, the girl took off her shirt on the couch, but then made the guy come with her to the bathroom. So he can fill her up while she's talking about this That's so dead hot. slave so, that yeah. comes back when you... Okay, whatever. I thought that was so fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have a surprise for you. Go wait back on the couch, even though I brought you to the bathroom. Ugh. What I was I like, this is that, all stupid. What I oh, want that dumb. scene to be about... I think about... you're supposed to feel that way, though. Because then you're supposed to be... Because it's supposed to be, like, the, the, the room complete removal that, like, current upper class or upper middle class, like, white teenagers have from, like the slave history of our country that they're using this as like stupid foreplay exactly i was gonna say i was like i hope that scene was in the movie for the black audience to be like oh my god that's something that a white couple would do on a saturday night at home okay because that's literally how i felt (laughs) yeah so i hope you do feel that way she's supposed to be like and they cut off his hand oh my god yeah and you're like that's and he's this is literally Filling her tits and kissing her, I'm like, so you're not weirded out by her bullshit? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, think with something else. Oh, you're like, in your you know, I usually dirty talk is a little different uh, <laughs> where I'm from. It's yeah. crazy. I know I just moved to Chicago recently. Uh, yeah, is this a thing with you? I thought you guys are more sports crazy. Yeah, and then all of those really cool moments, like the fire is cool because then there's that um, you get that kind of mob mentality where they're oh, all yeah. like circling around, and that's really scary. Just like how he died. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw the movie, I think the fire scene was really scary to me. But since then, it's kind of the scene that's still super scary is, and immediately every time I think of Candyman, the scene I always think of first is when Helen wakes up covered in blood in a strange bathroom. Oh, my God. And she just opens the door, and she... People are... Like, I've seen people online be like, so there's, like, dead people everywhere, so you grab a knife? That's so stupid. But it's like, you woke up in an apartment... I thought that scene was also... You're covered in blood. what's happening. You... Obviously, you didn't do it, so someone... Killed a dog. You don't. So you, you just grab a screaming. You grab yeah. a fucking knife. Yeah. That was such a great idea for a scene because mm-hmm. you you're made to believe that she was like fucking gutted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she like wakes up in shock, and then you see that like, oh no, she's just covered in blood. I've had a and little bit way... through that. It's I need to yeah. slow down on my tequila, honestly, because I just want to be like, 
for anyone that said, why did she grab the knife? Like, fuck you. Because <laughs> you would grab the knife. Of course you would grab the knife. <laughs> like, right what are you going to do? Not grab the knife? And you just walk around a bloody apartment? And yeah. dead people. And so, what a satisfying role reversal, too, I think, for a lot of people watching to see that moment where she's holding the cleaver over Anne-Marie when the police come in. That's so sad. And, but, like, you know, usually it's, it's you know, especially today, it's the opposite. You know, we see so much on the news of people of color getting shot by police. Right. In those moments. Oh, my God, yeah, and the police just barge in and they're like, hey, get that... Get off that lady. Give me that knife, little... Well, they, I mean, they were... They, they're like, drop it, and she does. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, but it's, it's so... I think it is refreshing to see, like, her get framed for all this. Because what, what I think the point of all this narrative oh. is, like, it doesn't matter how affluent you are. It doesn't matter if you're an academic white lady. Your husband's a professor. Like, you're not safe from these things. I think a lot of hers is because she's a woman, and that's the idea, but... And what? she gets busted by the king of cartoons from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Well, oh, is that <laughs> the detective? Is that who he is? Yeah. <laughs> so Pee Wee's Playhouse, the first season was in New York City, and he, that actor, I don't know his name, he's the older guy, and he was the king of cartoons. I did not know that. <laughs> and he had this weird way of speaking where um, his line was always. Uh, let the cartoons be gone. And he would never quite finish the word. And then the second season onwards, they replaced him with a different king of cartoons. And he would say, let the cartoons begin. Oh, no. And I was like, I miss the old king. And that's him. That's the actor. Oh, I love him. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, what was your your scariest scene in the movie? I actually did. When I saw her wake up, in that room, I was like, that's the point where I was like, oh, I wish I had seen this in theaters because this mm. is cool. I was like, this is actually where I would have like been look- kind of looking around like and probably like freaking out with people. But I think I also really like when she's in the therapist's office and summons him because it's just like, you've been waiting for it for like so long at this point. And I think this movie does the best job of this where every other fool in the preceding movies summons him Right away. Mm-hmm. But, like, you gotta edge. And this first movie really edges. <laughs> Just like we're edging right now. Doesn't the guy fly out the window backwards? Yeah. Oh, well, no, Candyman Candy flies out the window oh, okay. backwards. And oh, it looks okay. really cool, but we're not talking about that right now. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. But the therapist is just sitting there, and then suddenly he's just like, they just, just <laughs> blood. Just blood comes out of his mouth, and then it's like, so amazing. What was your scariest? Well, you so you've you've all said some really good ones. So, in the interest of saying a different one, I'll say one that um, I think is done incredibly well, and it's the moment where she is arrested after she's been covered in blood. Yeah. And they're having her stripped down. Yeah. And they're really just like, and you know, the police officer, the woman, she's just like doing her job, but she's like, you know, take off your shirt. Take off your bra and and. Can I take a shower? Yeah, well, she, yeah. she just wants to get. She's just covered in blood, and you can see that her clothes are sticking to her, and they're making her lift up her boobs one at a time to make sure there's not weapons underneath them, and you can just see like her posture. Her shoulders are slumped forward, and she's shaking and she's crying, and you can see how traumatized she is, and she doesn't know like. Whose blood is on her? Yeah, and it's that's so crazy. It's yeah. like a human moment. It's a big turning yeah. point for her because instead of 
you know, this is where the Candyman's framing of her kind of ends and society just starts to tear her down mm-hmm. because yeah. of all the blood. These stuff. are the yeah. parts the of murders. the movie that remind me of the Silence of the Lambs, I think. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. those kind of like really down to earth, scary moments. Mm-hmm. I like the part where the, um, the, she's at home and she's just like, fuck, it's been a week. She closes that mirror, or she opens the mirror, and then the hand just comes through, and she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Really? And then she tries to run out of the apartment, and he's right there, and she's like, yeah. god damn it, and like runs back in, and then he kind of just like cuts her mm-hmm. like right behind the head. Because it was important friend. to establish that her, her condo was originally built to be like a project. But then they realized it was on the right side of the tracks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they had to, she was like, oh, they just put plaster over the concrete. And I thought that was a really fascinating, again, like trying to show just how arbitrary these divisions are. Yeah. Um, something that Isabella Price mentioned that happened here, that happens here in Seattle, even. Mm -hmm. I want to come up with the phrase right now. It is. Do it. When you take things away. Oh, crap. Steve. I don't know. There's a there's a, a, a phrase for this. There's a name for this. But it's oh. when the government, when the city decides, like, looks at an area and decides to just cut it off from the rest of the city. Oh. Annex. Uh, and they take, it's, oh, God. What's the word? I know what you're talking domain. about. It's like to, to provide. Eminent domain? Yeah. No. Well, oh, God, it's a different name? word. But it's something else. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of the word. Seize? So... We're all saying and really I good words. They like literally cut the. We do have words. They for cut it. them off. I'm not gonna remember. Yeah. I'm not gonna remember what it was. But basically, in Chicago with Caprini Green, the city was just like um, the history of Caprini Green was originally when those were built. It was a half and half, like all person of color, including white people, community. Um, they had like higher paying jobs or something closer to the city i think so basically the rich people which were the white people already for some reason they got to move out of that area mm-hmm. and then the city was just like let's stop running buses there let's stop yeah, yeah, yeah. putting money into the um, businesses there yeah it's like unincorporated or something. Yeah. yeah and in seattle there's areas the areas oh, yeah. where there's less transportation and there's in the areas that have less money being put into like the local businesses are the areas where the rich people have moved out of of course yeah. and the poor people have stayed mm-hmm. um and that's how cabrini green turned into what it was to. Mm-hmm. yeah so that's like literally what happened in chicago so mm-hmm. in the time capsule that is the movie Candyman, you actually get to see that like for real mm-hmm. which was amazing and important Mm-hmm. And it probably happens in a lot of big cities. Oh, it happens everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they so talk much. about it a lot with voting, too. When voting comes up, they're yeah. going to talk about that all the time. And they the don't time. put, yeah, they put <laughs> less voting areas, oh, yeah. who, if any, in those poor areas. It's like, oh, it's I, enough I to I make your brain fucking explode. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so that's so what it is so for voting. Gerrymandering. But, yeah, like, specifically for poor neighborhoods they're just like oh no we can't possibly have you vote on the weekend where it's like but mm-hmm. you know like seven days a week no but you or know like that you we have weird during, schedules during working hours yeah. or things like that and it's yeah. like but we're working then, yeah and we can't afford to miss and we don't work 
like salary jobs. Yeah, that's why like us doing vote by mail is such a huge thing. Yeah, so that like everyone can vote without. Yeah, whenever you, whenever you can, mm-hmm. because the voting spots even like here, it's like I'm not going over there. No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> like kidding me? <laughs> like I'm gonna yeah. mail this in. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, in certain ways, Candyman did a lot of things right, mm-hmm. and like again nowadays in like 2019. They do a lot of things wrong, but I think back then they were trying to make a really good effort. I think it was a very successful movie. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think there's a lot wrong with it. And I'd be interested to hear some things that were that it was accused of doing. You should wrong. have kind of come to the Candyman <laughs> event. <laughs> well, in order in order for that to happen, I would have to uh, agree with the host. And I'm I not, know. So I honestly, yeah, I thought it aged pretty well, which was kind of a strange thing. I was just like. So we're recording this in Rainier Beach, Seattle. Mm-hmm. Google that, mm-hmm. and then uh, yes. yeah, seriously, just I actually Google thought Rainier was, Beach, Seattle. I actually um, thought this was Columbia City, and it's not. But so Columbia this... City is also an area that doesn't seem like it has a lot of money put into it. So it's, Seattle. It's definitely one of the like poorest areas in Seattle, and is also, but it's also very heavily minorities, and you know. I'm a white person who lives here, but that's pretty rare. And instead of being gentrified, what's happening here is, you know, money's not being cut off by the city because there's a lot of really smart kids here and they're really putting money into that. Mm -hmm. So our voting box is actually right down the road from where we're recording is the public center. And you can just go drop your votes right there. Mm -hmm. And what's happening here is gentrification, though. It's not the cutting off of funds. It's that... The house we're recording in is going to get torn down this year, and... This house is getting torn down? Yep, this is going to become... What the fuck? Hopefully it becomes affordable housing, like those townhouses that are next door to us right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, but but um, I'm sorry, I have to say this on the podcast, because now, because it's going to get torn down, so no one else will remember it any other way, his bathroom has, in the bathtub area, has those 80s, like, um glass tiles that bring sun in from the hallway that takes you down the stairs that is crazy well you should and whatever before the house gets it is it's retro we call it retro house because bringing light in, in into the bathroom with these like ridiculous tiles from the sunlight in the room that's the staircase that brings you downstairs whatever is going to replace this house is not going to have something cool like that no. That's gentrification. <laughs> oh my god, but that's not gentrification. The, but you know what I mean? The reason I, I mean, it's funny because it, it might not actually go the way of gentrification. What's interesting is it might go the way more of what happened in the film. I don't know if this is what happened in Chicago, but in the film they're like, oh, we were going to build it in this desirable area, but instead we put it in this ghetto to keep the ghetto there Mm -hmm. that's i think more what's going to be happening with affordable housing in this area but i think that's only going to actually last for a bit until the white people buy up all this i used to not what i used to not know what gentrification meant like i watched the whole south park like three episode oh yeah arc of like the gentrification of south park and i didn't get it We all need to go yell at home. They did a surprisingly good (laughs) job with those, I gotta say. like. in case any listeners also don't know exactly what gentrification means, I am a Greek-American, but I, when I'm out of the house where my mom lives, I feel like a white person, and people look at me like I'm totally white. Mm -hmm. 
so to me, gentrification is like all these like hip, cool like spots to like hang out and like get like really yummy foods and cool restaurants. What's wrong with that? Like I didn't get it. They already existed. Mm-hmm. I know. But, <laughs> they so weren't cute. Gentrification. <laughs> the problem with that was that you're putting all of these pretty much like it's expensive things in these areas where people can't afford it and mm-hmm. when you put fancy restaurants and fancy grocery stores and fancy cafes and whatever in an area that drives up the price of that area that's how communities work and that's how cities work so if you put all those things in an area where they weren't before the people who can't afford to live there lose get their homes out. they yeah. get pushed mm-hmm. out and they go somewhere else that they can afford in an area that doesn't have anything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get that. Like, mm-hmm. as someone who basically lives as a white person and has, like, white privilege, I had no idea. Like, I watched the whole fucking South Park. <laughs> didn't It went way over my head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I love it. Like, I love fancy, swanky cafes. And part of the yeah. joke of that, Ron, <laughs> is that they gentrify the white people but it's it's yeah. about the poor. They gentrify mm-hmm. the poor, and like the only poor people in South Park's lore are white people. So yeah, but yeah, in areas like where we are right now, it's gonna be it's gonna be gentrification. But it's it's been slower than Every like other neighborhood. Just a few towns north. I feel like Columbia City looks super nice. Mm. Yeah, I mean right, compared the, to what they have, between the Arc Lodge, Molly Moons, and PCC, it looks really great. If you go north or south of that, it's really, um, it's not hit or miss, I would say. Yeah. But that's because Seattle is just like, fuck that area. I'm not going to put any money into that. Mm -hmm. They did it on purpose. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that before. So wherever city you live in, check around your areas and see if this has happened in your area. And something I'd want to say, too, about the idea of um, Candyman, like, holding up from 92. I don't want to make any like assumptions about about anyone here or like age or any of the listeners, but um, I'm 34. <laughs> um, and Let's go around and reveal our ages. <laughs> you can if you want to. Um, the, the late 80s and the early 90s was a pretty, pretty like huge time for black representation. Oh in, my god. Um, film and TV. Deep cover with Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> I watched it three times in two weeks. So there we go. We had deep Everybody cover. has to watch um, it three times in two weeks also. This is uh, homework. <laughs> I don't I don't know like how many people listening like remember or how many people just have no idea, but like it was a huge time for black people on TV. Like there was, you know, so yeah, there there were like Family Matters. Like it was normal to have entirely black casts and Asian casts. Yeah, on on TV in shows in, the, in Living Color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was um, my jam. There were lots of Spike Lee movies. Living Single. Living awesome. Single. Thank you. God and damn. so so good. I know that right now we're kind of like, oh yay, like we get a black person, and we get excited to like see any representation and because it's been a minute and because things got so shitty and white we've kind of gotten in this mode of thinking that it's been that way forever yeah and that this is the first time well Candyman two and three were pretty bad so those movies were bad (laughs) but i I just i want to maybe go back and say that at the time that Candyman came out 
it wasn't there right was a now. Lot of great mm. shit. Yeah, and so yeah. it was it was a time where um there wasn't a lot of representation of of a lot of different cultures, but there was like blackness was was being represented really well and it was being represented in a very like I'm going to say in your face way because that was really important. Yeah. Because especially, yeah, like Spike Lee, especially things that were happening with like Rodney King, um O.J. Simpson was a, a big deal that oh came my God. out after. I was a it's child, so and I remember that. Yeah, because... <laughs> it was huge. <laughs> it, and, and the thing that was important about that was, like, okay, we're we're not only having to, like, have these race conversations, but we're having to have these conversations of, like, here's here's one of, like, our, our like, transcending race heroes, and he probably did a really shitty thing. How do we feel about that? Can we, like, as a country... Can can we even be like? Yes. Can we let him fall? Yeah, <laughs> because fuck it's yeah. so important that. And I say fuck yeah. But at the but, time, yeah, the, so many black people were like, uh, of course he did it, but no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and and you know they had to pretend they had to like go through and like retrofit his blackness in order to like to make him into the black hero for the trial it was which was so insane because so he renounced nice. his race so many times it's like why did we keep for him exactly what was happening? thank you <laughs> when those trials were going on this was still pre-internet and mm-hmm. in the mid 80s to early 90s those types of trials were so televised so when oj simpson did what he did or whatever that was like almost like the last hurrah for like public trials for a while because in his the 80s was the that was biggest, a huge thing. His was the biggest trial. Yeah. I mean, it was. Oh like, my god, it was so big. But I know from my VH1 history Woo. that public trials were the thing on TV in the 80s, and I think in the 90s when OG Simpson did that because because he was already a celebrity, that was kind of like the last hurrah. And after Love. that trial, everybody was like, this trial isn't as cool as OJ Simpson. This won't be mm-hmm. as fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind a of hallmark. such a fucking it's circus. It's an apex trial. Kind of fizzled out after that. Yeah, yeah, apex. And piggybacking on something you said earlier, I wish he had named his book, If I Did What I Did, or whatever. God, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, like, whatever. let's so take a ridiculous. quick break and then we'll uh we'll skim through two and three quick and then talk about the man himself as we finish up the itch we're gonna do a switcheroo it's gonna be really fun trust me i'm so excited <laughs> Vinny and heather have changed chairs this is not exactly protocol but we don't exactly have protocol <laughs> welcome to hot bad podcast I, I just, I want to clarify for uh-huh. anyone who might not understand what I was saying a minute ago, I am in no way trying to say, like, racism was cured in the early 90s, so <laughs> no, everything's no. cool. I, I no. just want to say that the conversations that were being had then were different, and so because representation at the time was different, then this film didn't need to be having some of the conversations that people are trying to accuse it of like needing to have had yes. and, and we're not having, yes. if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Because there was so much black culture that was just normal and yes. fine. Mm-hmm. When Candyman came out, it was like, cool, a movie where there's a black slasher. Yes. We love it. Yeah. That's and it. Let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about how because this guy um, <laughs> I'm so excited about how dreamy he is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this totally led us to a really good conversation. I'm like, I'm psyched that we actually got there because I like made notes about 
what it was making me think about as far as like the situation now and i do think like that's what i mean when i say it's staged well i think it mm-hmm. still asks these questions like in a meaningful way mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. okay good thank you thank you and then cool segue uh into the second movie Ooh. <laughs> oh. Cool segue into a not cool movie. Yeah, it was so shitty. Uh, they had to redesign the poster for the second film because it came out too close to the OJ trial. And the poster was a big uh, Tony Todd looking murdery behind a white lady. And oh. they were like, oh, too soon. Really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know mm. that. Mm-hmm. And Sounds now, about right. It's now a white Vinny. lady surrounded by bees. <laughs> Take it away, Vinny. Oh, boy. Candyman 2. I was telling... I couldn't look directly at it. It was sort of like a solar eclipse, but... It's pretty bad. But terrible. So bad. Yeah. I did like that this started with a kill again, but it was a little quicker to get to it, and, uh... The... I was also glad who they killed, of course, because the... it was Snobby Professor. Yeah, what's his name? Yeah, his name. Purcell. Purcell, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I Ugh. loved it. Because compared to the third film, you're like, they killed Purcell in the second film. <laughs> right That's away, too. pretty cool. And I like his interaction in the bathroom, where like he's like, That's my book. It's just like. And even with the guy looked at him, I was like, so fucking what? And he was just looking at him like, I don't give a I shit. I loved it. I loved okay, it. are you talking about are you talking about the jump scare that there was a black guy behind him? Yeah. Well yeah, he came out of the bathroom oh, because he was but like this, scared. So This is a trend in this in this particular film. Every time anybody enters a room or somebody's purview, they try to use it as a jump scare. It's a jump there's wee, a hand on her shoulder. Anytime someone's just like, oh, hey, it's like, <laughs> this movie's just packed did that with happen? Did that happen with white people? Of course it does. It just, really? Yes, when her Every husband first, like, I swear, I like started to count. Oh, yeah, when her husband. Whenever yeah. any of okay. them is like looking out the door, even she creeps up on her husband and there's a violin stab. It's constant. Okay, it's that like, makes yeah. me feel yeah. better because wonderful. O- honestly, what I thought was happening in the movie was that all the jump scares was coming from like a black guy shows up and everyone's like <gasps> no i feel like that was just in that bathroom no, the director... where he like no there's a bud it's like oh my god a black guy are you the well no i didn't guy? notice it was like just black guys though like i noticed it was like a bunch of different people okay yeah it was then like they, had just, they had just learned about the idea of like a fake jump scare to like yeah you know like, really, so they really did it with like everything like super good a white her husband is like asking to die for this entire movie and it's great mm. he trips over something and it gets a violin stab mm-hmm. watch the movie again if you doubt yes, me yes, he literally yes. like trips over something and they try to milk a jump she scare scares him he scares her a lot like so many times i like the idea from the first two films of the like goofy silly white boyfriend slash husband character and they don't do it in the third one. I was waiting for like the weird, goofy, yeah, lanky they white do it boyfriend. At the end. No, she this has. This husband was bad though. She has a Latino awful. boyfriend in the third one. What well, you, yeah, but that was all Latino at the issues. end. Yeah, because was like, <laughs> they made a point of like we are racist. <laughs> and we do have to say like this: <laughs> the second and third also differ very highly in quality in terms of the social commentary. They try to have it in both movies, and I did kind of like golf clap like oh you're tr-. but then it never actually like developed well like the yeah. first movie so the payoff there 
They spent that writing money on some CGI but effects. For context, Ooh, Farewell CGI. to the Flesh came out in 1995. So this is a year. Bo- this is the year of the craft. A year before Scream. So oh, we shit, had high, before Scream? high standards at wow. this point in time. And yeah. Bernard Rose, the writer director of the first one, he did write a script for the second one. And the producers were like, mm, "No, we're gonna wow. make it like this." Yeah, they just they just scrapped it, and then they got these new writers, and they had Bill Condon direct this one, who's gone on to a, a big career. I don't know if you've looked him up on IMDb. Yeah. He wrote The Greatest Showman. He directed the last two Twilight movies. He's like a big dude, but just not in horror at all. Yeah. Weird. I know. Okay, yeah. I'm going back. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you a part of the... Just I mean, I don't know, because like I don't want to talk about this want. movie at all. <laughs> it's very bad. Here. We could, we could sum this up pretty quick. I'll, we'll, let's talk about his appearance in these two movies later. No. But yeah, the yeah. movie themselves, I could sum up to number two in a sentence would be he has blonde white ancestors who keep getting affected by the curse and one of them finally realizes that all of them have been being killed by the curse, tries to break it by breaking a mirror, but does she? A mirror. They try yeah. to make up all this new shit. Yeah, they bring in like the mythology, they lean too heavily on the the spell so these two movies both lean on a different part of the mythology we can just let's talk about the second and third at the same time so i think that number two is especially disappointing because it's blue balls right (laughs) we talked about like it would be okay on its own but compared to the first one it's so disappointing because the thing is yeah uh you know this person that we're still just not talking about shows up in all of their like their perfection and i I don't think when I first saw the first movie, I appreciated just how hypnotic this person is. Yeah. But they show up, they do it. First scene, they bring everything, and then it's all downhill from there. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's blue balls. Yeah. Um, <sighs> what I liked about the second movie was they met back up with Purcell. They met, they talked about um, how, meanwhile, back in Chicago, Helen is the candy man like they kind of did it like a case closed this woman was killing people the whole time in Caprini Green mm-hmm. so you kind of got like a follow-up on what she's been doing mm-hmm. <laughs> my other gripe with with number two is the um narration throughout the film oh oh <laughs> can we talk about this he's a dj but he never Okay, so I have a really big overarching theory about it's this. A black and think about this actor from the beginning. Doing the voice. It's they a wannabe show Wolfman him. Jack. It's bad oh. anyway, but I in the film through t- towards the end when it's Mardi Gras, I think. And you see him they as show a white him guy. And he's like this white guy. That was oh. Yes, that was so weird. But here's, I was like, what here's, am I watching? Here's the weird <laughs> the weirdest thing though is consider this from the beginning too. You hear this radio DJ announcer. He never plays any like Southern Creole music at all. He should it's play some music. The only music that plays in this film that is strings so cool. and orchestral like choirs singing holy gospel stuff. Yeah. Until the parade, there's no like local music. So here's my theory though. Maybe he is the DJ of a very like Christian music like gospel and that yeah, is the at- soundtrack of the movie. <laughs> Mardi Gras. Is like, his that's station. That's adorable though. Because I, mean, I otherwise I don't know why he's to be the fair, DJ. The, that soundtrack is really good. It was pretty fun. <laughs> like the craft in the whole movie is really good. The acting is great. The practical, you know, the splatters, the hooks, 
Yeah. They're fabulous. The music is yeah. awesome. You know, it's, it's all just sitting I, on a throne of I like the comeback shit, of but. Sweets to the Sweet, but not in the, not in the way that they did it. Because in the first movie, Sweets to the Sweet was so mysterious and creepy to me. And I like that they tried to bring him back, but it was literally a guy being like, <sighs> Sweets to the Sweet, here's your snow cone. <laughs> yeah, it was super weird. Yeah, snow cone. Oh, did you oh, yeah. hear the sound super on weird. that too? When they were like making it, it was like ASMR <laughs> snow cone. It so was weird. so gross. <laughs> it was like, so I'd weird. rather listen to uh. a dog eat celery. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my Ugh. god. Okay. This whole movie was just—it made no sense. Never. Any Not sense. one part of it made any sense. You're watching it and you're like, but but wait. Did it make this house in New Orleans? Is the slave house oh was my God. a slave house, and then the but, the blonde lady when she's like, "Those were the slave quarters." But somehow, this also happened in Chicago. I could not get past that. I was like, "Why did you change <laughs> no, the he was entire?" Killed in Chicago, according to the Daddy, first movie. No, it was in New Orleans. So he ran from New Orleans to Chicago. That makes. And the girl okay. ran too. Well, no. Here's just... what the 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 precious jewel of the third film is that it's set in L.A. Correct. Mm-hmm. So what we're learning out of these three films is that Candyman is surviving across America, very much like Freddy Krueger. Um, so there are stories about Candyman in L.A. There are stories about Candyman in Chicago. So in caprini green he had a really strong life force there so he went to caprini green because there was disruption so that's the very crown jewel of what the third film gave us it but has it, very little to offer history, otherwise <laughs> his history is in new orleans where the girl wasn't allowed to play when she was little in the slave court yeah, but Daddy wait, wouldn't let us. That doesn't make any there. sense because they he was drawn to Caprini because that was his murder site. I don't know. That's what they built. Well, here's, on top of that, I think they it was like an the Indian burial ground. In movies, it's the other part in the first one, his body was burned and then his ashes was thrown on that site too. So they like the, they made a whole thing. The on deluxe it. like treatment for this death, right? Because you know he supposedly like he got mutilated and died in disgrace. Oh, how bad is this flashback? They find his tomb in the second, and it's like got this nice engraving. It's right next to his, <laughs> n- right next to the his baby mama, and like, like how his much... dad was rich. You yeah. might remember his dad because he invented this shoe thing. His father maybe made that tombstone for him. Yeah, his dad. yeah, but then why was he a slave? In the... okay. I just yeah. well, he was dad, he wasn't he was he was he was rich he was from a rich family and then his dad had been a slave and then became gotcha gotcha like because he was kind of yeah because he was a painter and that's how he met whoever yeah. but Ooh, like... let's talk about the third film <laughs> let's talk about the <gasps> yeah which is how it all ties together because I hate the, see the third film leans on a different part of the mythology so, see again <laughs> the paintings um Candyman two came out in 1995, a year before Scream. Post-Scream, every horror film had to be um, self-referential, um, self ev- self-evident, is that the word? Self-aware. So, self-aware. Yeah. Uh, so they're just like, the first half of Candyman 3 is just like, Daniel Robitaille, Daniel Robitaille, uh, this is his art gallery, and there's like pictures of him everywhere. 
and like a there's like a Candyman scare, right? Where someone like dresses up like Candyman and like that's an art up. gallery opening for him. Yeah. For Stage him, a Candyman. and they're Classic like, you prank. know that Candyman isn't real, and it's just so post scream, but in the worst way. And it's, I mean, it's so there's no, it's downhill from the to very beginning. What did I oh, yeah. tell so from you? a valley like it dug a There's hole. one I will say there's a couple of visual things in number 2 a guy gets eviscerated on camera in a briefing room in a police quarters and I thought that yeah. was awesome oh, yeah. because you're seeing it's like oh if you're not like haunted by him you still see him fucking shit up that was cool and in 3 he makes an appearance in a subway tunnel where he floats in on all these bees and I was I was, was okay cool. with that too. So the cool these are going to thing... be appearance things later, but I, I, those things re- redeem those movies slightly. The other um, high point of the third film is that, unlike the second installment, where Candyman was literally just every kill was gutting people from behind. Mm-hmm. Every kill in the second oh, yeah. movie mm-hmm. is right from behind. Oh yeah, yeah. very same. Um, Candyman three, Day of the Dead. <laughs> was trying to be more like supernatural it opens on this like very like freddy cooper dream sequence and there's just a little bit more imagination in his kills there's like a crazy um last boy slash white gothy like idiot brigade of like uh candyman worshippers that are like we're gonna bring him back oh, to the life. la goths uh, the la goths are pretty good they're like because they summon around. him and he kills them all it's just like yeah yeah stupid yeah. la goths and they put her in a ball gag there's a lot of problems they this put one. this they, last one is the most problem he wouldn't even show up for that he, wouldn't. he does. He would not. He showed up. She for was that, there, and it was free kills. And he's just like these goths. Okay, so so Candyman don't even care. He's like they already believe in me. That's fine. Like he killed yeah. them. But then in the second movie, they tried to be like, "Do you know what it means to call me that?" Which I thought that was a cool idea. That they tried to be like, when you call him Candyman, you're like referencing his torture and murder. Yeah. But it completely erases the whole like the reason that he wants to exist is to exist. It's just for the sake of existing. That was the other thing Ugh. about the third film. They start out, I told Eric yesterday, he borrowed the movie from me. We made a little switch. Oh. You city. have to rent this movie oh. from a local store if yeah. you happen to have one. Shout unless out to Scarecrow have, uh, Video. Unless Scarecrow. you have Amazon Fire, is that what it's called? No, no I got the uh, second one from Amazon Fire, but you gotta like search for the other two. Okay, so what I told Eric yesterday before he watched the third one was Candyman 3 drinking game, drink when you see boobies, Mm. drink (laughs) when you hear the the phrase Daniel Robitaille. So Daniel Robitaille trails off about midway, but... Boobs actually kind of surprisingly in right. s- and sometimes in scenes where need they be there. I oh, usually continue quite I was quite a lot say, through the film. So the first half of Candyman Three is all Daniel Robitaille this, Daniel Robitaille that. Um, when he actually shows up, the character that's so into Daniel Robitaille is all of a sudden like Candyman, 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 Candyman. You never hear his name for the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Um. We're edging a little bit. Should we just? It's Donna Derrico. I, I mean, I have a, like a Baywatch. little. I have a little thing before we like before okay. we cut loose. It's about the super hot bad guy that I wish we had. <laughs> I was <almost> joked. <laughs> <laughs> Not like that. Um, <laughs> just shout outs to uh, 
scary murder Helen. I wish that we had <gasps> movies about you. You would be my super hot bad guy. In you the want? Yeah. You want a sequel about Helen? Yes. About Helen. Well, Every time we get a super cool killer woman, she only gets one movie. It's just like Friday the Thirteenth. But she yeah. needs her own spin-off because yeah, it's not a spin-off. She his own takes up the too. crown or the meat hook or whatever the bees. She takes up the bees. In this vein, yeah. I'm actually this is where I'm excited to see what Jordan Peele is about to do with this franchise. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was all. That was all I wanted to say. Hi, Helen. Yeah, I was actually excited for the second movie because I thought she would be in it, and I was like, "Ooh, she's going after that." fucking bitch that was fucking her husband and changing shit in her house that was her house Such like is she going after color. her kids and trevor shit? was in nope let's trevor was definitely in the wrong oh totally but she was complicit mm-hmm. and i was like okay comments. cool great ellen and she was manipulated. and fucking candy man are about to like fuck shit up like he's about to go yeah, after all of the those sequel should have been helen and candy man because he said in the first movie it's all you helen like you're the one and then in the sequel, it was like, just kidding, Annie. Annie, you're like my great 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 also my reincarnation. Mm-hmm. But then I guess the other cool thing about the third one is they stopped the trope. He was like, he was saying, "Hey, uh, Caroline, you're my great 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 granddaughter. I'm gonna make out with you now." And they do. <laughs> that was tradition. so weird. So weird. He was so. I got like, um, oh my god, we were not edging anymore, by the way. We're approaching the end of the edge. We're about to start talking about what he looks like. Okay, we might have to like go backwards this time and start from three to two to one. (laughs) Because I really want to talk about. Oh yeah, then we can. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Okay, sorry, I I fucked up. Can't you get an infection that way? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're about to get one. Yeah. Now if you clean up. Well done. You just have to have the wipes. If you edge too much, your brain just goes into the toilet. Yeah. Um, (laughs) He, in the third film, uh, Candyman, he is with Caroline, but they filmed it wrong because the director of this movie, by the way, this is the same director um, and writing team that created uh, Leprechaun 2. Oh, good. And a movie called Sleep Stalker, which I definitely recommend to everyone. Okay. Do they stock sleep or do they stock I'll tell you in this. their sleep? Dario Argento's move, new film Sandman is a basically a ripoff of Sleep Stalker, which is made by this director. So Dario Argento is ripping off the guy who directed Candyman 3. So just the FYI. Sick burn. <laughs> um, so she went real deep for that. I got like big like Q vibes from this movie. Do you remember that episode of Star Trek? I think it was Star Trek... The next generation, where there's like that Q girl that's like half Q or something, and she's blonde, yeah. and he keeps just like coming up against yeah. her and like being super close for no reason. Practically putting mm-hmm. his fingers mm-hmm. into her mouth. Yeah, <laughs> I I understand that the Candyman is supposed to be this very regal Phantom of the Opera like irresistible person, but the way this director filmed this movie, it literally looks like Tony Todd is just like pressing his body against this little actress and she's like trying to act through that and it is horrifying and it is also (laughs) direct-to-video it's a direct-to-video movie so it's square like ratio and i'm like oh maybe they just can't fit tony todd in (laughs) like he's 
It's very tall. It's a, <laughs> Closer. It's a, so tall. Closer. It's a step up from like a porno looking film. Um, and it's totally oh, not much. Tony Todd's fault. It's the directing, it's the editing, it's the cinematography. You needed to film that different because mm-hmm. what it what you're getting in the film is Tony Todd just like continually like putting his body where it shouldn't be long up against uh, this woman. <laughs> That's his great, 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 great <laughs> granddaughter. And, yeah. they kiss. and then they make out. It's great. Oh, it's so and it's so weird because they make out right after he says this like really beautiful thing that about the how entire, they're family and it's this entire Candyman <sighs> thing into perspective it's for me. It's the most problematic of the films. Um, he has this really delicate speech in the third film about how he's collecting his descendants and he's trying to get back what what was taken She's the last one. from him. Collecting. Years and years, like so long ago, he's like, my Helen or my Annie or whoever, my woman. Oh, and she's white and blonde again, by the way. My white Don't and forget. blonde woman. Descended. Was with child when I died, when I was murdered. And all of these descendants, I'm trying to get back what I had. And then after he says that, and I'm like, I have this aha moment of like, oh my God, Candyman. And then he sticks his tongue down his granddaughter's throat. And then you're like, and oh. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. You're still a villain. I yeah. do this to all my descendants. <laughs> Doesn't everyone do this? That's um, how we do it in New Orleans or Chicago. I mean, or, you know, wherever you your great, great, great granddaughter, like, how do you know what you're going to do? You never made out with your great, 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 great grandfather? Weird. I was really hoping that the second one would be like him going after all the descendants of the people who murdered him and were like crowded around and like watching and like. It's such a gimme. Like throwing shit at him and doing all that. He's the kid, like the kid that made his name. You didn't go after that little asshole's Mm -hmm. family, the whole family. It's nothing. So obvious. And like the people who like rub the honey on and then like randomly magically like a swarm of beat this was something that <laughs> in bees. every single film upset me was i didn't understand all right i have another overarching theory so first off that dj is also a he's a classical radio station dj who dj's the entire soundtrack for the movie in number two <laughs> my other huge theory about all three movies is that we got racist bees because <laughs> i actually i was like why are the bees attacking him because they put honey on him? It should be like ants. They would attack the people who harvest the honeycomb mm-hmm. by the bees' nest unless they're racist bees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good... Because the, the honey thing is with ants. Um, this is... That's what I... I yeah. literally, in my notes, is honey isn't that for ants. Yeah. It is for ants. I, I, I actually just had a thought. So you know how there's... You know, like you have to pit your your horror, your bad guys against each other. Like, there's Freddy versus Jason and stuff. Candyman this... versus bees? <laughs> Hold bees on. are Hold his on. real nemesis. This doesn't versus... actually make any sense. I want okay. Penhut versus Chucky. Go ahead. Candyman versus mm. Wicker Man. Ooh. Oh, bees. yeah. Bees. Like, yeah. The bees. The bees. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wait, wait. Which which Wicker Man? Well, it'd have to be the bad remake. Because that's the one with the bees. Yeah. But uh, also, shout out to Christopher Lee. I would be stuck in an elevator with you as well. Oh my god, you too! (laughs) Oh, we should have done Vinny's elevator. Yeah. The wig and the dress. We'll record it at the end. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, I thought that that's what the second one was doing because they like live in the house and like there's the slave quarters and the dad is dead. So I was like, clearly these are the descendants of the people who killed him. And then suddenly it's like, no, no. it's his half black daughter, yeah. but she look white. <laughs> okay. This is so weird. Goddamn. Okay, good. Can we talk about how hot he is in the first one now? Yes. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Really quick in the in the second two, in the second two he's just in a black coat but he has a sweet cravat I dig his cravat yeah well I think we can he's talk about his three, clothes but... for a second so in all three films mm. I hated his coat in the first movie with the fur mm. lining oh she's it's making not... a hate face you should the fur <laughs> the fur isn't what bothers me in this in the second and third film he has like this cool sash around his neck it's cravat and he has like a more <laughs> fitted what is it called I'm pretty sure it's Gervat. Okay. It's beautiful. Doesn't that just mean tie? Well, I think they went with it for the second movie because New Orleans. But in the yeah. first one, it was just more of, I, I, I don't know, like a shirt collar. I think he had like a, like a little like brooch or something in the first one. Yeah. 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 Little, yeah. like Maybe like a little cameo or something. Well, in the in the sequels, it's a lot more Phantom of the Opera-ish. Oh, yeah. And he just, uh, his face is absolutely like... Like, he is so good looking. And I'm really, mm-hmm. I don't know too much about this Yaya, the new Candyman, Yaya mm-hmm. Mateen, Abdul Mateen. Like, I've seen him in movies, and he's just so smiley and cute and fun. And I'm like, he has the good Candyman voice, mm-hmm. but Tony Todd is very attractive to me. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's why well, I prefer this Candyman. I think we're all very attractive yeah. to Tony Todd. I don't think he there's any. Looks and he has a very distinctive film. Look. It's, 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 and that voice that he has a good voice. Yeah, yeah. I they mean, the first, do. the first time that he calls out to Helen, put that away. We'll talk about <laughs> that later. We'll talk about that later. He's showing me Tony Todd as a Klingon from Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> uh, Everyone. Oh, that's uh, fine. The, the, that's just fine. First we've time already done a Star Trek episode. Huh? <laughs> that he Tony calls out to Helen. And it's that, and it's just that whisper, but it's so resonant. And it's, and they have it turned up so that it's like, you can feel what it's like oh, to her. It's just like, it's like in it's her body. Movie. That's something that, um, <sighs> just like the hypnotism eyes detail, the unearthly voice was so fantastic in the first movie mm-hmm. and becomes kind of just pretty like cheap, like. Chorus. Like it's, it's not as fun. Although, like the line delivery, they steal the second movie steals some lines. Where mm-hmm. the second movie doesn't talk about "be my victim" and that your was death hot, will be. By the way. They specifically bring that part of the lore back in the third movie, and mm-hmm. it's not as hot because it's so disjointed okay. that I didn't understand why they were doing it. But in the first movie, it's like. Makes sense because she just caused this thing. In the first mm-hmm. movie, when he says, be my victim, I'm like, oh, <laughs> my God. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but by the third film, I don't remember how I felt in the second film, but by the third film, he says it a couple times to Caroline. And the like the last time he says it, he's like, be, hey, come back here. Be my victim. Be my victim. Like, he's like yeah. that. Well, you get sort of, like, and desensitized, like, you know? Up. Like, it's you get like, sort of numb from all the rubbing yeah. or whatever. <laughs> it's like, we get it. But, but when in, you first hear it, it's When you like, first hear it, you're like, what? I think the, in the first one, <laughs> yeah. in the first one shocker. it's very hypnotic, and in the third one, you don't, like, because it's not connected, it's just like, why is he not just killing her? That's the thing, is, like, he wants her... 
to agree to it. Yeah. He it's won't hotter just kill in her. the first one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. And the, that's what it's was so... It's still responsible in the third one. Yeah. But it's not <laughs> as cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, that's what I thought was, like... Not that it was the scariest scene, but, like, that was the creepy part of the car garage. Because he's just, like... And she's like, who's there? Who, who could possibly be there? Do I know you, sir? And he's like, be mine. And she's like, who are you? I'm a married woman. And then she's just staring, and then, and then she goes, but I'm late. Yeah. That moment, and you're like, oh. Because, like, you start to see, like, why the fuck is she acting like that? But, like, no normal woman acts like that. In a car garage where there's no one else there, and there's some dude like, be mine. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, nope. Do I know you, sir? (laughs) Do I know you? I have to continue on on about his jacket. So the reason why I don't. The evolution of the jacket. She just wants him to take it off and see those bees, baby. (laughs) That's fine. I also want to whip around talk jacket. My problem with the jacket in the first film, it's fine. I don't mind the fur. When they show him from like, full view down to his feet the jacket is very like european santa claus like it bells Mm -hmm. out like it needs to be worn with a ball gown Mm -hmm. and i was just in my mom's garage a couple weeks ago looking at my grandmother's like european (laughs) coats Mm -hmm. and i was like this is the coolest like winter coat and i went put it on and it belled out like it needed to have a dress under it Mm -hmm. and i was like i can't wear this i'm not i can't wear this with pants I don't need to wear this with a dress. So I said no to the coat. Then I watched Candyman, and I'm like, he's wearing my fucking grandma's coat. Where's the ball gown underneath? So I don't like that bell. It was that out. swinging dick. Just <laughs> <laughs> to make room for the day. I was about to say, where do you think your grandmother got it? Okay, you wanted to swing back around? I just want to say, all movies, let's just whip it around. What do you think was sexiest hook? Sexiest, sexiest hook. hook. Which, which hook? Which hook? hook. What was your favorite one, hook? It was, it was all the first gooey. One. Bloody and matted with blood. Yeah. yeah. The first one. Really vicious looking. Had those like nails. It was yeah. disgusting. It was it, fucking gross. It looked yeah. like it had been there for years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ugh. I thought yeah, they did no. well with the third hook. <laughs> but <laughs> but the first one was obviously the best. <laughs> well, y'all passed that test. Well, anyways. <laughs> no one, no one's buying it. Okay, yeah. how about how about that part where she finally does agree to be his victim and then she just like passes out in his arms and he's carrying her? Yes. And then he Damn. lays her down and then he like slowly like brings mm-hmm. the hook up yeah. her leg yeah. yeah and then she sits up and then he kisses her and she like it's a bee kiss right <laughs> yes and they're not kisses. family and that's yeah. why this movie is the best one there you yeah. go and then she just kind of like passes out like that whole and you're like you're like did he just insert his hook into her and she was just like into okay it? with it Heather, yeah, that seems not very non-consensual to me, and I'm surprised you're bringing it up like this. She, she was like, she was like, yeah, I'll be your victim. It's she... kind of implied it's a gray area, you know. It's not necessarily, uh, you know, don't try she, it with she people went off to of him. Tinder. You but... know what? Yeah, 
I'm going to be totally transparent here and admit that I saw Candyman after I saw Freddy vs. Jason, uh-huh. where there's a very different, like, Freddy Krueger claws up the legs into the mm-hmm. nightgown. Oh, mm-hmm. That's not yeah. cool. So yeah. maybe that's coloring my interpretation of this movie. She, she, that was, like, directly after she went to him and was like, okay, okay. I surrender. Yeah. Right. Again, He's number three so is hot. the most troublesome. <laughs> Has a very unconsensual scene. It's not great. Yeah. yeah, there's not, and again, compared to the third movie, at least in the second film, you get that Annie is kind of like, I mean, to start out with, Annie and Caroline are both on his side, but Annie is still like really into Candyman throughout the film, right? Are you yeah, going to say I, I don't mean, remember? No, no, I guess, <laughs> yeah, she's just... So crazy, Annie. Annie's fucking weird. She says it right away. <laughs> like, out of the three blonde white girls, like, Annie is so weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I really, I can't get behind any of them except the first. I really cannot. That's totally normal. <laughs> and I feel like Helen's true. the only one that he really fought for, too. Yeah. Like, he fought hard for her. He went into that fire for her. Like... Uh-huh. When he, he tried was, to trick yeah. her, and then she tricked him, and then she still died. But mm-hmm. still, I um, mean, it worked. Of all people of the put deaths, out her flaming hair. Oh, my God. So oh, man. They made Oof. the two deaths in the second and third, like, they break the mirrors and cut the paintings up, and that's how he dies. But the first one I thought was more somehow magical because, like, she just, he gets stabbed with fire ostensibly. Like, it's sort of strange yeah. how that transpires, but it, it does, like, work in, like, the tension of that scene because, like, you're really just like, you gotta save that baby. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, he's it's just so like, heartbroken. Get him, get the baby. He's so sad that she leaves. Yeah. Like, he's so, he, this is his chance to, like, have his family, like, to have, you know, this reunited. He's like, I, you know, you and, and the baby, so we can all just, like, be together finally, and I can finally have this thing that was taken from me. And so when she leaves, he gives that, like, awful, you know, cry out of, like, no and pain and... And like dies again, and and you like you feel for him, you do. Yeah, it doesn't like he could totally get out of there, but he just doesn't. Yeah, he yeah. Just kind of lies down in the fire. And then because uh, the little boy, uh, I can't remember that little boy's name. Like by seeing the bones, you get that one great moment of like Helen gets validated that like it wasn't just her all along. And then she yeah. gets her powers. Like yeah, somebody witnesses, somebody sees. So at least yeah. like even though she doesn't win. We do get something for yeah. her. Because I stand for... the first movie. <laughs> oh yeah, because it had a lot of things that were just like, oh, this was great. Like so many little things. Well, even for her, because everyone thought she was crazy, and so mm-hmm. they just put mm-hmm. her in psych ward, whatever. We're like, okay, classic Candy narrative Man. for a woman. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. totally. It's definitely what happened. There's to... victim blaming in all three of these. Oh my god, everybody's so framed. But I loved how like no one. Went to the rescue of this like this like neighborhood in the inner city, mm-hmm. but then like she goes to psychiatric care because they're like they're helping, <laughs> and, like, and then at the end, it's like fine. I mean, I wish it didn't have to come to this, but like you being here helped everybody see that we're not crazy, but no one fucking went to help us, even mm-hmm. though they thought we were crazy, mm-hmm. and even though they thought they were helping you, they didn't know like. Now it's all coming full circle. Like, everybody sees it. Candyman exists. He's right here. Yeah. It's not that 
douchebag with the hook. Oh, yeah. The gang. Well, and it's just, it's so sad because by the third film, you're in L.A. and people are still doing what they did before. Like, it didn't even matter. Saying it yeah. willy-nilly. They're still just like, oh, Candyman, it's this <sighs> fake. Hey, I'm just going to sip the That's candy what completely killed it for me mm-hmm. after the second film because this guy was in Chicago when all this shit happened. He wrote this book. The shit happened. But then he went to New Orleans and made a big deal about it not being real. Mm-hmm. Like, this shit happened to your colleague, to your mm-hmm. student. She, like, burned to death. Like, she she died from her injuries. Mm-hmm. So many other people saw it. And it was just another, like, fucking, like, but in the upper middle one... class, like, white douchebag that saw the shit happen was just like, those black people. Exactly. But in the, yes. second, yes. in the second film, Purcell says, oh, Caprini Green, that was all done by Helen, blah, 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 that character. Like, totally blames her for everything. She did it. She did all of it. Yeah. That's time. why I don't even, I don't even count those things in like the canon because it's yeah. all like retcon. They're trying yeah, to go back and ruin. The movie should have ended with him doing that same scene from the second movie, but she kills him. Oh, or she been... should have just come back yeah. in the first and the second been... one. I agree now. I'm, all, I'm back on board with this. I just, yeah. It would have been so much nicer if, like, he was on this book tour but made to look crazy. Because he was on this book tour and everybody was, like, revering him. Like, oh, what a fun little thing. We're doing it at night. It's supposed to be spooky. Yeah. But, like, yes. it would have been cool if he was just, like, at some convention. Nobody was coming to his stand. Everybody was looking at him like, oh, Candyman. And he was like, movies. no, it's real. You guys, it's real. Like, don't do this. Like, it's not a myth. That was real. Cool. It would have been great if it wasn't just like, it wasn't some bullshit. And then they had to make up a whole nother city that this guy wasn't from, mm-hmm. from the first film. And like, just people like, oh my gosh, Susan, did you see that? <laughs> I'm going to go home and do it tonight. And like, and then, and like <laughs> yeah. being in another city, it would have made way more sense. Like, oh, okay. The Candyman came because like, you're dumb. Like this happened and you wrote a book and it, like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot better. Can we complain about how in the sequels, Candyman is all of a sudden attached to a mirror that his yes. wife owned? Well, just and in then, the second one, yeah. And then in the third movie, all of a sudden, he's attached to one of his paintings of himself. Because they yeah. were trying... Well, the paintings well, were Well, the paintings were throughout good. all the films. But, he, but, but what kills him in the third film is that they slash through a painting he made. And then he's like, I'm dead. Yes. Even though. But she also tries the shift the blame thing. And it doesn't work. Because in the first movie, so they bring this back from the first movie as well. In the first movie, he's like, oh, my powers are weakened because you shifted the blame. In the third movie, she triumphantly walks down a staircase like, oh, I successfully shifted the blame. And now the myth is dead. But then she realizes she has to rip the paintings. Yeah. Or maybe it's the other way around. Sounds so stupid. And then it she doesn't matter because still the says terrible. his name in the mirror. So does it. it just Oh yeah, how about that jump that little stupid jump at the end of the second one where the little girl is like candy man and then her mom's like Whoa, Oh but that was awesome. <laughs> Four and a half. That was so very that was Four and a half. Self aware. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't as good as obviously the ending of the first, but I mean at least it was like... Why would the paintings kill him in the third, but not in the second, where there was a ton of paintings of him? Well, they didn't and the get house dis- got destroyed. Because they didn't get destroyed. No, it was... They were just yeah. trying to be like, I don't know. Was it only the slave quarters, or was it just the... Let's make more money. But how did the That's other house... The up. house that they're in at the end where the mirror is located is like a sunken house on the bayou, and I didn't understand... Was that the slave quarters? Yeah. 
Oh, oh wait, that was the slave quarters. So yeah, like why why would the mirror be there otherwise? Because she like, left him. Oh no, it was down in the yeah, but he wasn't a slave, right? No. Why it, would the mirror be yeah, in the slave quarters? Yeah, it's obviously because she falls connected. down into the mud, gets up, and like the goes over to a like wall. halfway in the water. But then, like when she takes the mirror down, you know, the whole thing collapses. So obviously, it's where he lived or whatever. Like, well, no, that's where she lived. Okay. That's where the the they had a the woman, set. the family. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the... but there's the slave house on the thing. Wasn't that where the mirror was? <laughs> so the the house on the bayou in the water. The, the important yeah. thing that is that none of these the things house... are important. That was the house of Daniel Robitaille and his wife. That's I don't think they saying? lived together. I'm saying I think that's because they weren't they weren't married. They were just lovers. I think oh, that's where yeah. she lived. Oh, they got married. Oh. Mm-hmm. No, that's why he got yeah, chased out of lovers. town and they like sawed off his hand. Well, and... he impregnates her in the second movie canon and third movie, I guess, because great, great, great whatevers. <laughs> As if we wanted more of this lineage. But yeah, he impreg- impregnates her, but then they kill him by putting angry bees on his body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do we... Okay. Have you met Tony Todd? I'm sure you have. Uh, I've been in, in areas with him, but I haven't, like, had long conversations with him. I've touched. I've touched him. You've okay. smelled his presence. <laughs> I've him. Um, I guess... How is he, presence-wise? Oh, I mean, exactly what you would expect. Ah, very warm. Perfect. Very sweet. He was just in my friend Seth's uh, movie, Hellfest, and oh, yeah. when they... The top hat. Yeah, yeah. Carnival, carnival they ended up, they got him um, as a carnival barker, and then they were like, you're so good, and we want you in our movie more, but we don't, like, have any more time for that character. So they had him end up doing um, the voice of, like, the announcer in the theme park. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So if, when you're that. watching Hellfest, when you hear the, like, announcer voice, that's Tony, too. Oh, like, that's amazing. How can yeah. we put you in here more? Because that's one thing about these sequels is they're so bad, but Tony Todd specifically yeah. is doing exactly what he did in the first movie. He yeah. did. He was acting so well. Have you yeah. seen the 1990 Tom Savini-directed version of Night of the Living Dead? No. I don't like uh, that I heard series, it but I'm trying to get more into it. Okay, I love it, and I want to do a screening of it, and if I do a screening of it, I want you all to come. Oh yeah, I love Night of the Living Dead. It's Tony I think it? that was like my first horror film. And Tony Todd is in it. No way. And where they look so at nails and drawers. good. <laughs> he, he's so good. Yeah. yeah, he's Ben. Of course. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just realized yeah, yeah. exactly who they guessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll check yeah. this out. Um, when I it's met... Tony Todd, he had a booth, this was at Crypticon, mm-hmm. he had a booth next to Kane Hodder, and for some reason, like, as soon as I walked up, I don't know if I didn't know what to say or what, mm-hmm. but he just, like, launched into this story of how him and Kane Hodder, oh, I know why, because I was there to see Tony Todd, and Alan, my husband, was there to see Kane Hodder, but they were next to each other, so we kind of broke off, and they knew that, mm-hmm. so they sat there, and they were like, hey, there was, like, some night years ago where we got into jail together, and we had, like, <laughs> it, it was either they were in the same cell or they had, like, cells next to each other in jail, and then they were like, now we're here at Crypticon, <laughs> like, together, and I was like, what? <laughs> was this, like, three years ago, or, like, Crypticon? It was the last time Tony Todd was here, mm-hmm. and um, I just remember yeah, he Yeah, that's were, like, the last time that I was in the room with him. He had, like, a leather jacket and this, like, cool fucking scarf, like a, uh, like a thespian scarf, uh-huh. and he came out of an elevator that I was going into, and he was, like, leaving, because it was, like, Sunday, it was, like, the end, so he was leaving the convention, and I was, like, 
thank you so much for being here with us in Seattle. And he was like, and but I said it as I was going in, so I didn't see his face. And he like leaned over so I could see his head. So I leaned over and he was like, you're welcome. <laughs> and so we were both like just seeing each other's heads like with the, uh-huh. with, with the door closing. It was fun. And were you like, I love you. I love you. <laughs> no, I said that the day before when I was like, hi. Well, he was the one of the first people I'd ever spoken to at CryptoCon before because that was my first year. Uh-huh. So I had talked to Jesse from The Nightmare on Elm Street 2 first. Mm-hmm. And that was a little bit of a disaster. But you just got to warm up. I learned from my Jesse mistakes and talk, and got to talk to Tony Todd more appropriately. So. You should have seen Vinny <laughs> this year at CryptoCon. I was CryptoCon. so frightened. Cheryl Lee was... Right there, she was like ten feet away, and I just like I didn't talk I to her. I couldn't get any closer. I was like, oh, was that okay? Oh no, he I just didn't. didn't. I just like walked away. I was like, oh, I'm getting cool, used and to. I walked away. I'm getting more used to the bad experiences that I have. Like I messed up with Mitch Pileggi, but it's fine. And then Natasha was there on Sunday, and she was like, "There's Ray Weiss," and I was like, "Do you want to talk to him?" And she's like, "Nope." That was <laughs> exactly. I keep thinking of the. I was uh, like, "Oh, that chick." There's that the chick. the community episode where. Uh, Donald Glover wishes yeah. for a signed picture of uh, LeVar Burton. Oh, God. He just, his uh, eyes he's are like, I only wanted a picture. I didn't want to meet him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were walking uh, by, and I was like, I was like, oh, Vinny, like, there's Shirley. Like, like, go say hi. And he was just like, uh, and I was like, no, come on. And he was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> he just like, he just like couldn't. He just, just like veered. Yeah. It, I mean, I think, I think my mind goes to like the Star Wars cast people who are just like, complete pros doing this for years and uh yeah well i had a great time with um sorry this is crypticon corner i guess which is actually important because we we talk about crypticon on this podcast we advertise for it oh thanks but um i had a great conversation with (laughs) (laughs) the guy from uh the nerdist podcast jonah ray oh jonah i had a i walked up to him and it was like hanging out with like a person yeah and we just like talked about movies and we talked about his friends that i'm aware of and we like recommended stuff to each other and like that was my experience with him and it was perfect yeah and it's he's like, great at that i appreciate how jonah ray approaches people i think yeah maybe yeah, yeah. because he's just not tired of it yet mm-hmm. oh and he's like he has got unlimited energy like we we would do like so we did our our panel together I'm sorry and I missed that. I am sorry you missed oh it too. It was so good. It was really good. And then um, he would go up to the parties and like be in the VIP room all night partying and he'd be going to like 4 a.m. And then he'd be back down on panels all day. And then when he's not on the panels, he's at his table. Yeah, yeah. And then he'd go up to the parties. And when you're at the table, you're fucking at the table. Yeah. Like you I mean, don't get to leave. That was like somehow like everyone was partying with Jonah at all times. He was like on all weekend. I wonder I what he how. was on to be able to do that. That's what I was asking. <laughs> I think he really likes the just... event, you know? It's one of the better events to go and, you know, mm-hmm. just be fans. Like, if, Maybe you if, should it's go, Eric. Yeah, I didn't get to on. go, okay? I didn't get to go. <laughs> Whereas me, like, when I go, like, when I'm doing events, just even after my, um, my interview with Adrian King and Amy Steele, like, my face hurt just from smiling. From smiling. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, Okay, I need like a break before I can do my next <laughs> panel. Just like my smile muscles are not. You have to like hold your face forward to like. Yes, yeah. yeah. And so I don't know how they do it. Like I have to go and hide in between my panels and in between events because I, I just, 
I have to like, and that way when I do see people, I can be like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> nice to see you. And then I go yeah. hide for a while. I'm like, <sighs> pants. <laughs> <laughs> And then go do it again, and then, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. I wanted to make sure if you had met Tony Todd that you had a story. Um, I also have another off story, but it's very important to this podcast because mm. this is the reason why I started this podcast. Mm. Um, when this was airing on VH1, they did... I love the 90s, they did I love the 80s, they did all kinds of like retrospective stuff before I had the internet at least. This was like maybe early 2000s or, or, or older than that. But VH1 was around doing stuff on television before there was a lot of internet pop culture stuff happening. Oh yeah. And so mm-hmm. I was watching, I tried to track this down to rewatch it and I couldn't I thought it was from I love the 90s or I love the 90s part de and it was not but um there was two women talking about Candyman on VH1 and they were fanning themselves and talking about Tony Todd and just the entire thing was just how attractive he was and how much they wanted to jump on him for it was for candy man the first the first one okay yeah and it was a vh1 spot and that was the first time in my life that i saw someone not uh that i saw someone on television talking about an attractive villain Mm. like finding attraction Mm. to a villain so throughout my life, like once I started to get the internet, I was like, oh, other people are attracted to villains. That's cool. That's like that one VH1 thing where they were talking about Candyman. And then when I finally had this idea for this podcast, I was like, yeah, people are into villains, but for real, like on TV, like on VH1 when they were talking about Candyman. So I don't know who that was, except for I have a sneaking suspicion it was Lonnie Love, who is a comedian. Um, I think it was her and another female personality. I can almost see them in my head. Do they have braids? Um, she has like shorter hair. She did back then when I was watching VH1. She had shorter hair. She's like a bigger lady. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like it was her. Yeah. Oh, wait. She may not have had braids then, but she does other shit like that too. Okay. Like um, the dumbest drunk people or <laughs> there's like true TV has a lot of like weird yeah. commentary shit like that. So yeah. again, I tried to revisit where I saw this and I couldn't find it. But if it was her, she's kind of the reason why this podcast exists. Nice. <laughs> Shout out to Lonnie. Thank um, you for being into. So I have, if, <laughs> if anybody has anything else to say, I have some internet stuff that I always go through because they don't. I do extra work for this podcast, so it's just, like, me speaking for a couple minutes of, like, Hmm. shit that I found online. Perfect. Okay. I get most of this from Tumblr, because there's a lot of fandom happening there, Um, and I feel like that's a- Tumblr. Oh, yeah, I haven't been to Tumblr since- Since I did the porno. Do you have any hot stories? (laughs) I haven't. I haven't. Hot stories you (laughs) need to read this week? So on Tumblr, they do like those uh, like slasher villain valentines, and the biggest one was um, be mine, oh. be my victim, like be. Oh yeah, be my victim. That's so good. now every time he's kind of asking for consent with that. I mean, I... a little bit, or it's like participation. It's... Oh, it manages it's to be just... responsible, but uh... also you know. 
I'm sorry. I'm, I don't think you guys are understanding. It's bee, like, like bees. Yeah. 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 Like, bees. Yeah. Because yeah. he's covered in bees and he's saying bee mine. But he bee says bee mine in, in the right. films. It's yeah. perfect. No, so it's every time I'm trying to, like, revisit Candyman now, I'm like, <laughs> bee my victim. <laughs> <laughs> I also have uh, the Tumblr hashtags, which was very prevalent, and there were so many that I just kind of picked and choosed and then oh, yeah. stopped looking because there were so many. So good for Tall you guys. Tall daddy. Um, Jacket daddy. <laughs> Jacket daddy. Honey daddy. These are my <laughs> hashtags. I didn't come across those. Well, but as far as to the list. Tumblr is concerned, we had hashtags for um, pertaining to Candyman or Daniel Robitaille, specifically hashtag sexy villains. Thanks. Mm. Hashtag, remember when you first watched Candyman and you found out you had the hots for him? Mm-hmm. Hashtag, Candyman was your monster fucker awakening. Mm-hmm. Hashtag, Candyman can dom me anytime. Mm-hmm. Hashtag, he's too handsome. Hashtag, Candyman is real and he tried to kiss me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag, I think that's my favorite. Hashtag, easily in my top 10 sexy horror movie villains. Hashtag, <laughs> Handsome, nice coat, full of bees. Coat daddy. What more could you want in the man? <laughs> Hashtag surprise. Oh, no. it's Surprise daddy. No, no, no. Sorry, I read that wrong. <laughs> it's hashtag surprise your lover with bees. <laughs> oh, yeah. He does love a good surprise. I also found um, just like two fan fictions online. And one of them like had me like dying. And I think I'm going to go home tonight and read it. Uh, FYI, Ooh, can I do a read through? Fan fiction. There's a fan fiction them. posted in January 2014 called Sweets to the Sweet by Diamond Slash Stud on Archive of Our Own, where they have a warning for their fan fiction, which is eroticized Ooh. spanking of an adult female. Might be too sexy. <laughs> warning. <laughs> and the, wow, the, spicy. the slash pairing <laughs> is Helen and Candyman, so. That is a shocker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, so we've read some of these before. These like little like slasher rebels that people write on Tumblr. Um, We've read them for Leprechaun. And we've read them for um, Pennywise. I would love to read some (laughs) sexy fan fiction. It's like, it's not considered fan fiction. It's considered like, um, they're called slasher imagines. Oh. So the first one is from Slasher slash Fanatic, which we've read from them before, actually. I think for Leprechaun. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, for Daniel Robitaille, I think the question was. Oh, I think this one's a dirty one. This is a good time to mention that Let's just if read... you want to send us your weird fiction about anybody we've done or planning to do. It's a Creep Corner Stories. Please send that into hotbadpod oh, yeah. at gmail.com. So you can write us a sexy fan fiction about anybody, and we'll read it. <laughs> uh, Mabel, Mabel, I'm opening up the offer. Mabel T, who was asking about Love Dan the Leprechaun in one of our past episodes, asked Slasher Fanatic to write about Juicy Smut with Candyman. Daniel really knows how to please a woman. Hold on. Who is this by again? Oh, it's. I said it three times. Oh, sorry, sorry. I see, I see. Okay. I see. <laughs> I thought I was missing something. No, it no. turns out I was seeing part of the Beetlejuice <laughs> fan fiction that is right above this. So, forgive me. Now begins his Candyman fan fiction. 
genuinely knows how to please women. He is a very passionate, sweet lover. It's so hard to imagine how a man, widely known as being cruel, could handle you so delicately. As if you're made of the thinnest replica of glass that's on the verge of tripping over. <laughs> he likes to take his sweet time to make sure that you're good and ready. So it's really no secret that he's a big lover of foreplay as well. You're reading this so disrespectfully right now. <laughs> and he's pretty damn good at his job. A.K.A. doing what he does best. Neck kisses. Like touches. Trailing his hands and lips up and down your body. This is perfect. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Truly and honestly, he is a giver. In bed, he treats you like the rarest gem. His gaze trails across your nude form appraisingly. There's nothing more gorgeous to him than being able to look at his woman in her full nature, waiting to be ravished by him. It's sort of unnerving, and you may feel like you're being judged under his intense gaze. This is actually where I am starting to be like, no, this actually is... <laughs> this character, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, I think it's very appropriate. He is, oh, I'm going to start, it's sort of unnerving, and you may feel like you're being judged under his intense gaze. He's also a possessive fuck, and he doesn't try to be subtle about it. He loves to lean down into your skin and whisper about how beautiful you are, and the different ways that you belong to him. Somebody Such beautiful Katie flesh, with an even more beautiful soul attached to it. What more could he ask for? Now I must say, if he had seen Candyman three, he would have mentioned nipples. I now. don't know if this is. A, I don't he know considers. If this is a he. I, I if, assume this is oh, a woman actually, writing. Wait, this wait, it sounds, sounds like a woman. I just say them because I always forget to ask. So I'm like, they said this. Uh huh. That's fair. Daniel loves to make love to your body, but don't ever second guess him. <laughs> If you're in need of a good fucking, by all means, he will deliver. There won't ever be a time where you're left unsatisfied with this man. He's had a bit of experience pleasing women, so it's no new news to him. And despite him not being sexually active in a couple of centuries, he still hasn't slacked on his work. He takes pride in being able to fulfill his significant other's sexual desires. He loves to push your limits and overstimulates your body until you're begging for him to put an end to the onslaught of pleasure you're receiving. Daniel has (laughs) built of an ego. Wow, there are many things. Oh my god! So it was like it was. I tapped the reply button. It was sex, and then it and then it was like. There are many things that feed into it and make it more airheaded than he needs to be. The main one is being able to push you over the edge, <laughs> on the edge until you're crying, pleading with him to bring you down from high ecstasy. It doesn't seem like it'll end anytime soon. But just because you're anxious <laughs> and in need doesn't always mean that he'll oblige you. He likes to hear you cry out for him. Candyman. Candyman. <laughs> Pitiful <laughs> begging. It's like music to his ears. Daniel. But it's completely futile <laughs> if you're not vocal. Because if you're not going to tell him what you want, then he simply won't be able to deliver what you need. And I just want to say, I added those Candymans and Daniels because... I was wondering about I that. I really <laughs> liked where this was going, but I needed some summoning. Give me my phone. Are you done? Uh, I feel like there's like no... I am. How are you? No, that was a, that was actually kind of a... That was metonymy for the Candyman series as a whole. Yeah. This is uh, Countess and Man, who we've also read from before for, I believe, Leprechaun. Um, an anonymous person that asked, could you get some headcanons for Daniel Robitaille comforting their significant other during a panic attack? So these, I think, are just like so, such a like a very young millennial thing. 
that I have to like look at from like a outsider's point of view, maybe. Supportive Candyman. I'll come across like doing villain research and they're super, like there was stuff about um, Pennywise from the It films. Like how does Pennywise feel about like if you want to shave your head, like how would he comfort you? And people will like write about it, like write these like dream sequences about like how will Pennywise comfort you, like he would, if your dad kicks you out for being trans? Wouldn't he torture just, you like, with your fears these about comforting shaving? stories? Yeah, <laughs> I would encourage I like anyone would... who feels this way about Pennywise to go and watch Hemlock Grove. Just work out that energy in, in a more <laughs> right. health, a slightly healthier a good fashion. Idea. Oh. I is... just lost any boner I've ever had listening Pennywise? to you describe. No, listening, listening. <laughs> To these descriptions. This is what the kids are into, Heather. Not fucking. They the also talk about not fucking. They also talk about fucking. But I'm gonna read something about but in a different way. comforting it's you during a panic attack. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Daniel Robitaille. It'll take him a while to pick up on what sets off your anxiety attacks, but eventually he starts to notice them and distance those things away from you. If and when one occurs, though, he's instantly sure of what he's doing. He's totally seen this before a ton of times over the past hundred years or so. He's got this. He's always been really bad at comforting people, but when it comes to you, he somehow instantly knows what to do. Most of the time, if it's at home, he'll just pull you into his lap and talk in a hushed voice so... Wow, I'm so... I've got so much tequila. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't do your bad voice. Give it no, to I'll read it respectfully. No, finish with uh, When I read Most fantasy, of the time, if it's at I home, he'll just pull you into his lap and talk in a hushed voice to you about how much he loves you and how he's there for you whenever you need him. If it's in public area where he can't be seen, he'll make sure you'll be getting the fuck out of there and back to him. Pronto. Methods vary. Mm. Mainly you're going to wake up murdering people. Mm, yeah, like that. hypnotized. They'll hypnotize you. <laughs> hypnotized. So, uh, why don't any, attacks, uh, right? like, not my like, panic attacks. No way. Like, Hashtag not my panic attacks. Yeah. Hypnotism. Like, why isn't anyone mentioning the hypnotism? It's such a huge part of it. Yeah, so that, that would That's be great. Because it seems kind forced of in the yeah. second, well, again, it's really bad in the second and third movies. And only one person gets hypnotized in all three, which is odd. You and all three movies have a fake teenager Candyman. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that is terrible. All right, let's begin our wrap up of the show. We have two more games to play. Pennywise can get it. <laughs> it sounds like Pennywise he's not getting wants it. any just, at all. He's just... getting tons of it in Hemlock Grove. <laughs> Okay, so um, first round, what food would Candyman be? Oh, fuck, I always forget. Got ready. Mm, I already got mine. It's good. What is yours? What is Candyman? To me, he's a hot dog because it's long. It wants to make you its victim, and it wears a cool coat. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, my God. Oh. All right. Uh, I have one. Um, how about... And also, the second and third are not a good idea. <laughs> I always feel like I'm a little bit so too true. on the nose with my foods, but I feel like I want to say Candyman is um, honeycomb cereal mm. because it's honeycomb shaped. Also, it's sweets to the sweet, but somehow also has nothing to do with bees. Well, yeah. Here's yeah, the thing: yeah. 
honeycomb is like a like a very sugary cereal but as far as sugary cereals go isn't that like kind of the most regal of the sugary cereals like it's bad for you but it's very like sophisticated uh candy man is to honeycomb what leprechaun is to lucky charms that's fair for sure okay too sugary so okay, okay I've, got a, I've got a good candy man okay a really yeah. specific one uh candy man for me would be a soy theo chocolate mocha from milstead mm. in fremont oh, <laughs> oh, that's so, so specific. specific very specific Do you have yeah. this mocha? Oh, because it is so rich and like incredible and smooth and it makes you just feel warm on the inside and you want it but it is terrible for my guts because it's soy no no soy is good okay. coffee coffee is bad for my guts just like the candy man so it's got that it's got that like soothing like rich chocolatey goodness but then as soon as it gets inside of you it just tears you the fuck apart <laughs> mm-hmm. so you should never do it i'm hung up on the soy part like you're not going for like an oat milk uh, there's no, there's no nutrition in oats. Soy is full of protein. It's so and creamy, dreamy. Like you're doing so something wrong. Mm. It's creamy, but it completely lacks nutritional content. And, and t- I'm telling you, Tony Todd is full of nutritional content. Mm. <laughs> okay. He's really substantial. Yeah. Mm. He's very substantial. Mm. <laughs> so oh that's. Oh my God. I, Tony Todd isn't so much as a food as he is poisoning. Oh, I thought you were going to Whoa. say 100% snake. Why? Oh, God. <laughs> that would have been so good. That's okay, it's snake. Um, <laughs> because he's a snake. when he comes to you, he's not aggressive. He is very soothing. Just eat them all up like a snack. Mm-hmm. But then that snack was three years past expiration, and suddenly, you're just both ends. Mm-hmm. Explosion. Oh, Tears you God. up. Andy Man is Food poisoning? Yeah. <laughs> it rips your gut right up. Yeah. Oh my and, god. I mean, you, you invited it in too. Because you, you were like, I know this place always gets me sick. Wait. Or I don't handle lobster. Maybe not so, so much food poisoning. Let's say alcohol poisoning because you puke on that too. Mm. <laughs> I mean, he good. does rip oh, into you from out. like mm. stem to stern yeah. or whatever yeah. that phrase is. Yeah, yeah. Groin oh. to gullet. And sweet. I mean, you can drink sweet mm-hmm. liquor all night long mm-hmm. and then... Oh. Die the next it's very day. Very sweet. So like Bailey's Irish cream. Oh, uh, Vincent, do you have a food for Candyman? So I've, I've been trying to come up with this because it's something that's really good, really rich, but comes with regrets or something. <laughs> what you about, know you shouldn't. What about like mole chicken enchiladas? Your death will be exquisite. I know. I was thinking like or like a, tamales, like a like a Reuben sandwich or something. Oh fuck yeah! You know something that's just like it's like a irresistible. Bunch of but will destroy, destroy you. you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All the way through. Just a very Eggs Benedict. Rich. Eggs Benedict. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Like, well, no, I don't think they destroy the you, though. Richness, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, unlimited Eggs Benedict would probably... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> there's like no such Bottomless thing. Eggs Benedict. <laughs> like, there's a reason Ever. why they don't no. do it, but they're no. always delicious, and I never feel like I have enough. Uh-uh. But you I never order like, a second like plate. like, a hollandaise terrine, like an equipment yeah. boat? All right. Okay, next question. So, so <laughs> we're all going to go eat after this. Final game. Wow. Final game. What was our new game called? Like, why is he hot? 
Yeah, why is he? Why uh, is he? Oh, oh, oh. So what, sexy. No, what makes Candyman so sexy? What makes him sexy? Final thoughts. I'll go first. His face. He's... I'm not attracted <laughs> to the Phantom of the Opera, but his version and his take is so appropriate, and that's what I prefer. And the director of the first Candyman film was like, I want this to be like a romantic horror story. And it is for me. And... um I can pick apart the sequels and shape into it what I like about that character. And I can take Candyman out of those films and say he's so attractive and he's so desirable. And the films are about him going after specific women in a romantic way. Mm. And I love me a stalker. And he has a type. If I take the problematic stuff out of it, I'm like super into it. He's candy Mm -hmm. them. I love his jacket. And I love his deep voice, and he's very focused on like specific people. And I wish save I was... some Candyman for the rest yeah, of you're us. Sorry, all of the candy. That's <laughs> so. Just all the candy. <laughs> yeah, you just described everything about Candyman. Go for like... it. Just repeat me. Uh, his voice mm-hmm. and how like slow and like assured he is. There's nothing about him that's like frantic. No. He's just he just like he knows he comes at you and he's like. I know you're going to agree to this. I know you're into it. And I have i don't even have to, like, raise my voice above a whisper. He's and never going to show up late to the wedding and be like, fuck, I slept in, man. Especially no. not if there's a mirror there. No. You, you know that you can just, like, just lay back and, and it's just going to happen. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did anyone notice how tall he was? <laughs> yes! He just, like, no matter what, he was always... Taller, he just kept like the, the candy <laughs> went all the way up. I was gonna say that I wanted to climb up him. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. It's so, the coat. Yeah. It's the coat. I just want to climb up. That's a thick coat. It's so he's just so long. I feel like that adds with the coat. He just seems very sophisticated and very confident. Like, look at my weird chest. <laughs> Like, do you like my B ribs? I'm proud of it. And my he's like so proud of it. I'm like, proud of my body. Yeah, Instead no. of a six pack, I have these. And it's just like bees. <laughs> oh my god, it's like that Oprah clip. Like bees. <laughs> I was thinking Ghost of Christmas Future from Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there you go. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, pretty much all of his vi- interviews about these movies. Nice. It's just very charming. And I was also very glad that I watched these movies, honestly. There were a couple of series we got into that I was like, these are, uh, haven't aged too well, but these I was like, ah, oh, man, I think I don't think I actually wasted my time just now. Before was you right. watched the third film, you were like, I'm excited to continue this journey into this franchise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will say, the third is like pretty indefensible it's not very good instead of anyone who hasn't seen Candyman 3 please watch sleep stalker instead because you'll have a better time or leprechaun 2 i'll even or leprechaun 2 that's his like crowning jewel for sure he has a great cameo in hellfest like we said tony todd he seems a little bit filled up like okay first Candyman, he's like a young man yeah second Mm. film samesies third film you can kind of see him changing a little bit and in hellfest he's just like just an older distinguished gentleman oh yeah i but like him he's wearing a damn top hat man yeah he yeah. looks good he's a yeah. very like gorgeous boogeyman who has you know 
he doesn't have as many powers as some people, but his powers are awesome, and... And he doesn't give, like, a fuck what you think as long as you believe he's terrifying. That's it. Hey, hey. guys. That was amazing. <laughs> you have to pick the next villain, isn't it? Your turn. Yes. We have to say next who we're doing. Next week is... Uh, or next week. You already picked? Yeah. Uh, oh. next month, uh, in honor of Pride Month, we're doing Frankenverter. We're doing Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. Nice. Fuck yeah. Surprise. A favorite of mine. Day. I wanted to do Tim Curry's other villains forever. Darkness. I mean, I just, Legend. we could do. Legends. This oh. is going to be the first Tim Curry we do, and then we'll get to Darkness, because, yeah. Some uh, of the aesthetic ones are super fun, mm-hmm. and he, all of his are super It's going to have to be a Darkness slash Blix episode, because. Okay. Oh. Last time I thought about doing a Tim Curry, I said we should just do a Tim Curry episode. Which we could do heavily Rocky Horror, or we could Why just, don't we do, just do, do a Frank two-parter Tim Curry. No, Frank Furter deserves a full episode. Let's just do Absolutely. Frank Furter. It's okay. such a wonderful movie. It was such a sexual awakening for so many oh of us. Oh my gosh, like, yeah. yeah. This will actually be the second musical of this year, but only the second musical we've ever done. But it's a great so, No, third. Third. Oh god, yes. Oh, Little Shop. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Little Shop sorry. of Horrors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, third this year and third we've done. This is a mu- the year of musicals. Audrey 2? <laughs> we did do Audrey 2. Yes. Although then it we realized Steve Martin was Audrey's the sexiest so villain. fucking hot. Yeah, yeah. It's good. <laughs> Steve yes. Martin was awesome. Yeah. All right, oh my god, so, Steve Martin was amazing. Um, Heather. Yeah. Plug your shit. <laughs> plug my butt. <laughs> okay. Hey, it's the final butt plug. <laughs> Vincent's eyes just popped out of his head. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are um, about. yes. Thank you so much for having me. And if... Thanks so much for coming. Oh, yes. Hey, hey. sex jokes. Um... Thanks for coming. No, I just... <laughs> I'll just um, walk into it, I guess. If... <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, if anyone wants to see me talk more about things, I tend to be on stage a lot talking about film and horror. Where? Uh, um, right now, I'm going to be mostly at the Grand Illusion. Uh, my next event is going to be on May 24th. That's going to be with my new series, Reign of Terror. And the film will be The Wind, which is a really cool festival film. This is going to be... Um, a first-run feature, really spooky, like, pioneer woman, really lonely, dark, scary. Um, that'll be, yeah, May 24th at 9.15. You can get tickets on their website or just show up day of. And then the next screening I have scheduled right now is going to be in July. I believe it's July 21st off the top of my head at 7 p.m. at the Central Cinema of Mandy. Bonkers. Is that part oh, yeah. of the same... Is that separate from your... That's still Reign of Terror. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I'm uh, getting my guests secured right now for that, and it'll be the same thing. We're going to screen the film, and then we're going to talk about it with the audience, and even Fun. when we show films that seem like they're just, like, batshit, people still get really deep. Like, they still want to really get into it and talk, so it's People get excellent. crazy about movies if, if you give them an inch. Mm-hmm. It's really fun, and so I hope to see um, you all at them. Um, anyone who's listening, please yeah. come. It's really that fun. sounds amazing, actually. And thank you. You know, you were there for my first Reign of Terror um, at Crypticon. Movie Night of the Demons. I brought her to a movie she'd never seen. We got the end uh-huh. for the discussion. Yeah. Um, I remember the part where he was all scared. I was like, man, what is happening? <laughs> so, <laughs> so you didn't get to see the whole movie. You were just like, what the? She fuck? saw the the like skull and the thing. She was like, nope. 
like walked out. He's like, what's going on? She's like, nothing. I told her about the lipstick inside of the boobs. Okay, so I was going to say, you must have been like, I don't know if the stuff she's saying is true or bullshit or whatever. Yeah, I was like, how does this how does this fit in? That's funny. You all can follow me on Instagram. It's um so I I just started a page. It's it's R O Tear so that y'all don't have to spell rain all the time because that's a hard word. You can also just find me <laughs> at uh, <laughs> I get excited and I go through puberty. Um, <laughs> it's C Film Maven, like Seattle, S E A. Just look for my uh, my name. Heather Marie Bartels, B-A-R-T-E-L-S. I'm sure they'll have me typed up on these things. I just yeah. did a typing motion, but like a really mm. like frenetic one. <laughs> R.O. Terror for Reign of Terror, Hot Bad Pod. We are a Hot Bad Pod on most of the things at hotbadpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Send us your sexy stories about Frankfurter. What did Tim Curry do to you? <laughs> what did he do to my Tell teddy bear? I want to say... <laughs> R.I.P. Shriek, Women of Horror Class. I'm going to miss that forever, mm-hmm. probably. You're going to like Reign of Terror better, trust me. Okay. <laughs> I believe you. Um, yeah, listen to us on SoundCloud and... Uh, what? iTunes. iTunes and all that jazz. Um, I must say Creep It Sleazy. That's your thing. Mm, thanks so much for listening. Creep It Sleazy. Get permission from Dan. Bye. 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 <laughs>